This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Chase Rolson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Jury from Jury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Mutt from Ball Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Blackman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like working class bow hunter. It's really, really not that good. It is episode number 214, and by the way, let me stop there and everybody, uh, let's get, uh, I just want to give a round of applause because uh, we made it through the bad luck episode number 213. <laughs> 213 was oh, rough good to get out. Lord, I just wanted to... Let you guys know we made it to 214 of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. Hold on, let me ready. make sure everything's okay. Everything's okay. checking in good. Yeah, all right, we're good. We're good. Okay, we're yeah, good, we're, good. We're, good. we're good. All right, we're good. What? Are you sure we're good? Yeah, yeah, we're good. I think. Okay, all right, we're good. I think. 1600 Buckslayer Place. That's where we are, right? Yeah, man, you got that right. Okay, okay, just checking. Good. 1600 Buckslayer Place, the beautiful Buckatorium Studio. I should, <laughs> I should add because we're in a studio. Wonderful Sherrard, <laughs> Illinois. The aforementioned Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. I am Steve. In the studio today is Curtis Geyer. Hey, everyone. Run us around the table here. Oh, that's what I plan to do. Douglas. Um, yo, Schmidt. yo, yo. <laughs> I was going to call stash. you else. The stash. <laughs> Doug Schmidt's in the house. The returning. Dude, I think you're the most frequent guest now. I know. You guys can't get rid of me. You Clark might be. Cummings. 
I'm pretty sure he is. Someone get a tally on uh, how many times Clark's been on, and we'll then we'll send, send you a sticker. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, welcome. And then Matt. Hello. I better, I better turn your mic on here, huh? Try it again. Yeah. Hello. There we go. Oh, he ain't, dude. He ain't shy to talk to talk trash to all those people on Fortnite. Get right up on that mic. Oh, you're, you're a loser and you suck. I'm about to be on Working Class Bowen or podcast. My life's better than yours. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> but uh, yeah, hey, veteran shout out. Let's tear into the vet shout out here. I want to get right into this one. This is a uh, this is a pretty slick deal, guys. So let me pull it up here. While Steve's pulling up the shout out, oh. go to workingclassbowhunter.com. Hit the contact form. And then there is the veteran shout-out form within that. Submit a veteran or active duty, whatever, and uh, let us know. Um, give us the pronunciation of their name. Help us out. And uh, any other information you'd like to submit. And that goes directly to Steve's email. He has no reason not to see it. Yep, and I do. And the reason why it takes me a while to pull it up, because I don't have an iPad. So uh, go to my GoFundMe and buy me an iPad. <laughs> the vet's name. Uh, the vet shout-out this week is Kyle, and I'm going to guess it's MacDonald. Uh, he's a Marine. Uh, your buddy wanted you to give a shout-out, old Tony Richard. Our good buddy Tony Richard. Never met the guy, but I love him. Said Kyle loves our podcast, loves to bow hunt. Kind of loves it. <laughs> oh, Kyle loves your podcast. Oh, loves he said he kind of loves your podcast. <laughs> he kind of loves your podcast. Yeah, you know, the dude would flip if he – well, he'd kind of flip if he found out. Uh, guy loves, uh, loves the podcast and bow hunting. Um, like I say, he's a Marine. He has no clue that Tony is doing this. So you've got friends that do stuff behind your back, Kyle. I would uh, check into him. He works hard to support his two little girls and wife and still finds time to get out and shoot his bow and knock down some deer. Um, I guess they're uh, up in Minnesota, so um, send us some grain belt. And, Kyle, thank you for your service to this country. We could not do this podcast in English without you. Thank you, sir. We'd all be speaking either German or some other form of not English. But thanks, all vets. Like Kurt said before, if you got a vet shout out, go ahead and send it in. We're more than happy to shout them out. And dude, if we get like overloaded, dude, we'll do more than one. Yeah, we'll do for all just to piss off all the libs. We'll do like twenty in a row. Oh yeah, dude, they'll they'll all be triggered. They're like, oh man, all those cis marines. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll do that. (laughs) The national guard guys. We're gonna vet too. I'm just kidding. If you, dude, if you serve this country, man, let us know. Um, Or if you got friends that do. Let us know. Seriously, we'll shout them out. We just did for Kyle McDonald. Old Big Mac is what they call him. I think Big Mac with a small fry, Diet Coke. I don't think they call him that. I think they do. Yeah, probably not. Okay, you don't get the email sent directly to your email. <laughs> this uh, podcast, moving along, thank you for uh, all the veteran shout-outs you submit. I don't know why I blocked weird eye contact with Steve when I did a lot of my thought. Dude, then my mic fell. My mic went limp. This podcast made is, eye contact with me. <laughs> this podcast is appropriately brought to you by Elite Archery. Um, everyone in here shoots an elite. Let's just run around the table. Clark, what elite bow are you shooting? Currently a tempo. Nice team tempo. I knew that. I knew that. Which one are you going to shoot? The ritual should Ooh. be on its way. It's nice, isn't it? It is very nice. Doug, the impulse. Which one? A thirty-one. Ooh, real nice. Matt. Spirit. <laughs> That's a great bow. I don't know why you giggle. Yeah. What That's are you looking bow. at me for? I'm not going to laugh at you, little boy. You got the spirit of the wild in you. What are you talking <laughs> yeah, about? exactly. <laughs> what are you talking about? Stefan? I'm shooting the option three plus three. Oh, nice. Which equals out to be six. It's a great bow. The option six. Dude, that green, I, I'm so glad they kept that green around, too, because that color is killing We it. should announce the color. Matt, what color bow? Max one. Pink. Max color. one. That yeah, boy. Nice. Doug? Uh, Key Uvias. Mm. I got 
the green and Max one. Oh, the limb combo? Yeah. I got the yeah. oh, I can't remember what the color Elite calls it, but I got the, like I call it my Bronze Beauty, the tempo. Love that. That's thing. a pretty color. It's because he's in Love second place. Is he? Second. Just second. Yeah. Bronze, second place. Oh god, that's third place, isn't <laughs> it? Bronze is third and silver second. <laughs> silver is second. What the hell am I thinking? Oh, gold's first, yeah. Uh the new oh, ritual, sorry. man. Platinum is number I one. Can't even say enough about it. It's it, I have people actually. There's two people I know of right now that have ordered that bow and haven't even shot it. Because really? it's that good, yes. Shout out, Buckstorm. <laughs> really now? Jeremy ordered one, Atta man. Boy. He's like, I haven't even shot it. He's like, I just, I, he, hey, he trusts his homeboy, me. Yeah. And I said, hey, man, you don't need to shoot it. Just order it. And he ordered it. Yeah, dude, you better hope that doesn't suck because he's going out in the mountains alone with you. It so. doesn't <laughs> need dampeners on it. Yeah. it it's that literally doesn't have sells it. itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good bow. I it is. Dare I say best bow ever made? Mm, dare you? Dare I? I dare Kurt. Not I dare possibly. you to say that. I did. I dare you to say it again. I, the synergy man was up there. We talk about this every time you guys are here in studio. Yeah, we do. Yeah. But uh, would you rather us talk about something else? No, that's a good topic. Attaboy. I like it. <laughs> Clark's all calm. We haven't got you primed up. Grab Clark a beer. Will uh, yeah, Clark. Matt, grab beer. him a beer. Yeah, he's a, he's <laughs> only driving you home. I'm like. <laughs> Still, I need to be hyped up a little bit. Okay, okay, we'll okay, do that. Okay, well, let's elite get, archery, elite archery, elite, Buy yeah, it. elite archery. Okay, is that better? <laughs> yes. This, this <laughs> podcast is oh. brought to you by Clark Cummins on Respect the Game. Brought to you by Elite Archery. <laughs> Check out Clark. <laughs> well, depends on when you are. Uh, Clark shooting some big deer on. Uh, is that, that a, tonight? What? Yeah. Well, tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Tonight. Oh yeah, because this would be tonight. But if April, you got, well, whatever today is. But uh, do you know what episode that is? April. It's like eight, nine. Something like that? Uh, I'm not sure. But if you guys got your DVR set, go back and check it out. It's um, probably, you're right, it's got to be right around there, eight or nine. But yeah, the, check uh, check out Respect the Game for something else special yeah. at the end of that episode. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about, Clark? <laughs> he does it because I know yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. sponsor reel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah our logos. Yeah. I uh, noticed that. Yeah. I noticed that last time I watched. What'd you think? You're like, how did those goons get their way onto there? Like, hey, I know Money. those guys. <laughs> is it that obvious? No, I've seen it. Yeah. It is because I had a couple yeah. other people uh, send me Snapchats of it. Like, hey, I don't know if you know. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, I know. I don't <laughs> know if you know. Like, where the hell else is our logo on there? <laughs> Did they put them on, on, on the new on the new trophy tape? <laughs> <laughs> the working class bow hunter edition. Oh my god, dude! It's just all like three inches, it's like, <laughs> and then it's like three inches, and then Steve just written on the tape. Easy to read if you're poor at math, <laughs> dude. It, it, you know what they it, should do? It they says should do three inches, and then it says good enough for <laughs> that, dude. They should have that trophy tape. That as soon as you get like two inches off, it says consult your local Pope and Young measurer. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a real thing. We're, next thing I know, we're on like Buck McNeely sponsor reel. Oh, dude, that'd be, <laughs> you ever watched an episode of Buck McNeely, Clark? I never have. You never have? No. You ever heard of him? I don't. I don't think so. Oh. Man, Clark, we're, <laughs> I, I'm gonna show you some. Maybe I've seen it on Facebook or something. No, dude, he was on like no. he was on NBC Wild World of, Wild World of Sports. Really? And he's, he was like the only hunting show. Like people who don't he's even probably hunt. the best hunter ever ever to live. People who didn't, dude. He, He's a killer. I'll tell you what, dude. He he shot an alligator through some like drapes that you buy it, like like these right here that you buy at like Bed Bath. Man, he shot a gator through one of them, dude. I'm not even making that up. <laughs> I'll yeah, have to, I'll have to check that out. He, he reads books a lot when he hunts. He states the obvious. 
Sometimes yeah, the footage doesn't even match up. We'll just show you. Yeah. It's awesome. Everyone YouTube Buck McNeely. <laughs> We're just making this guy money. I don't, I don't care, dude. If that means if he, he makes money, it. he gets to keep putting whatever he's putting out. And I'm happy with that. So. Does he shoot an elite bow? I know. I do. The guy's probably never shot a bow. <laughs> Slingshot. <laughs> I don't know. Unless he puts an elite sticker on a rifle. I don't know, dude. <laughs> okay, this podcast transitioning. Thank you, Buck McNeely, for the laughs. Um, HHA Sports. Um, HHA is a often debated topic because it's the single pin. There's a lot of guys that aren't fans of the single pin, but I, it's a good transition. Clark, I know you don't shoot HHA, but single pin or multi pin? I like single. Why do you like single pin? Just sell sell the single pin in general. To me, it's a lot easier to, I guess, gain uh, acquisition to your target. Mm-hmm. I like. I don't like it's. To me, it's too much thinking to have a multi-pin sight, mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't center in the window exactly the same. I mean, when you see the the single pin, it's the same every single time. So that part of the equation is just easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, set your set your dial, and it's easier it to make it instinctive. Yeah, like I, the man, that is tough to explain. Field of view, pretty yeah. much, is what it is for me personally, but. Yeah, you're not having to think about okay, well, which pin and and then yeah. the other thing is sometimes those pins, if you're these modern bows shoot fast enough that it, that if you have them at twenty, thirty, forty, mm. they're still pretty tight together, and you right. put it on a deer, that's gonna cloudy up here. It your, does. It, it just, <laughs> what were you gonna say? <laughs> I wasn't gonna say fuck if that's what you thought. I was, no, I was, just, I was checking. <laughs> it, it, to me, it's just, just checking, too busy. Bro. It's like I just think it's a little busy in my sight picture. I don't yeah. like that. I I. I like the simplicity of a single pin. I agree. We talked about this last time here in studio. We did the whitetail. Was that the last time the whitetail angle podcast we did with you, yeah. uh, Ross, and um, Austin? Yep. And uh, Ross's went away from the single pin, which is interesting. And uh, I was trying to get you guys in a fight about it, but you, you guys were just didn't want to we, fight. We fought later. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool, yeah. dude. We filmed it. Yeah. <laughs> you whooped his ass outside in my grapple driveway. It's a world star, dude. He <laughs> suplexed him onto your tonneau cover. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Hand me a beer bridge. Um, but thank you to HHA. Single pin. Try it out. If it's not for you, get it. But uh, I think if you practice a full summer, I think you realize the benefits of it pretty quick because I'm the same way as you, Clark. That's I always shot like five pin. I went three pin, and then as I shot further and further, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a five pin. And then you can't see anything you're aiming at. Yeah, that's the way I feel. Especially doing like 3D shoots and stuff like that throughout the summer and, and, and into the fall. Um, it just helps out a lot. Plus, HHA offers a lifetime warranty, um, American-made. And uh, they're they support made in, our veterans. Yeah, they do. And they're made in uh, Wisconsin. So uh, for all you Wisconsin out, uh, listeners out there, dude, it's it's just it's right there in the bag. <laughs> I'm just ripping Wisconsin people. <laughs> all right. If you ever meet anyone from Wisconsin, it's like, hey, is it grocery bag or grocery bag? Big. I'll just get out. Dude, I love Wisconsin. I'm, I'm really sad. Big. For everybody that was uh, out at the... Uh, Wisconsin Deer and Turkey Classic, man, dude. We, I think we're going to be there next year. We all wanted to be there. Things just didn't work out. We but. should be at Iowa, Ohio, and Wisconsin next year. That's yeah, cool. Wisconsin looked like an absolute blast. So we had some people there like, hey, look, we're meeting, you know, like Prairie Storm guys were out there, and a couple of our friends were running into there. So that place looked awesome. But For next sure. year. Um, also got to thank the rest of our supporters. Sin Crusher, of course, keeping the studio clean. Ethics Archery. Um, we got to do a touch-up episode with uh, with Big Hoss. If we do. Um, but check out, they do inserts. Clark, you just got some ethics archers. Yeah, I've been didn't you? talking to Haas a lot lately. 
Interesting stuff, isn't it? Yeah. I've been we've been messing around with those uh spinning inserts with our solid decaps. Oh, what do you think yeah. of that? It's pretty awesome. That's an interesting yeah. combo, dude. I never thought about doing that. Yeah, yeah we I mean I would have. We need to just keep working at it. I've got a uh, I need a longer arrow in order to use it with mine just to get it underneath of my sight. Mm-hmm. Uh but Matt, we we had some success with it. If we had more, we'd probably be running them right now. We just didn't have enough to like go into season with that exact setup, but yeah. definitely worth Hook looking it up, into. Hoss. It'll be on national television. Yeah, Hoss. Yeah, big Hoss. We, we're going we're gonna to keep working with it, but the static inserts that we've got have been working really well. Uh, those are awesome. awesome. The, the quality of that stuff is, it, to me, it's really incredible. The tolerances are on point, yeah. if you Nuts. will. Yeah. And I, yeah. Did we weigh them out, too? And we're like, damn, dude, these things are really good. And Hoss is like, yeah, man, we make sure for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, they make sure for everybody. They do. Yeah, they're, they're, they're right do. on the money. Them guys. Hoss knows his shit, man. And he has yeah. a working class boner tattoo. Got to love that guy. Yeah. It does. Ask him. Uh, he's nice to talk to. We just he's knowledgeable. We talk for about an hour every time I talk it's to him. It's easy to do. I hate like, yeah. If I'm busy and Hoss is calling, I'm like, damn, I want to answer this right now. But I'm just like, can't. <laughs> yeah. And next time we see Hoss, be like, hey, what's up? Uh, how come he can't uh, go to a certain pet store anymore? That's a funny story. Not to be told on air, but it's yeah. hilarious. Wow, thanks for telling all our listeners. Hey, it's funny, dude. He'll he'll probably tell you. <laughs> if, if you ask him, he'll probably tell you, and he won't even think about it. He's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, this happened. What? Also yeah. brought to you by, obviously, this this podcast getting started off with Mana Coolers. Oh, buddy. <laughs> uh, Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing. Oh, Rattler Grips. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you were looking at me. I'm like, yeah, bro, Rattler Grips. Uh, Sand Crusher. No, you already you hit Sand Crusher. Because I want to say something about covered. Keep my the bow studio clean, with said. that green and the blue and those Rattler Grips. Dude, I've seen a lot of people put new Rattler Grips on their bows, and I'm like, I want to get like seven of them just so I can change out colors like once a week, dude. <laughs> That's I want to customize them. But he makes them really good, so when they stick on there. All right, they held. That was a long head. It was Clark. We Matt. had to get Clark primed up. Thank you. Yes, yeah. sir. I'm prime. You got a. Right, you got a. Good. I'm Jack. Let's get this thing rolling. You got a beer fridge right there. Crack it open there, <laughs> and let's get talking about some spring goodies, if we yeah. will. Let's, what kind let's of spring start, goodies are we going to start with? Well, we're going to get into the turkey game. We've been getting hassled by everyone about covering some turkey stuff, and that's coming. We got a lot of turkey episodes coming up. Um, let her rip. There you go. I'm ready. <laughs> food plots. So I've been texting you a lot about food plots the last month or so. Um, on my new lease, I have the option to plant some stuff for once. And I feel like there's a lot of guys that are – and we've talked about this before, but um, wanting to get into just getting something in the ground, whether it's like a poor man plot or if they have access to equipment or renting equipment or hand tools or garden tillers or whatever. Um, spring. Let's just break it down from simplistic – like. Planting in the spring, what's the first step and what are the best things to plant? The first step is going to be your soil prep. Um, honestly, the, the very first step I would go to is a soil test if you're serious about doing a really good food plot. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the pH around the Midwest is going to be a little low to start with. Um, going to need a little bit of lime. Uh, it's a pretty easy fix. So the, on a soil test, is that something... I know there's certain food plot companies where you can order soil test kits through. Is that normally what yeah. you do, or do you go somewhere and pick yours up? You can do it either way. You can do that or go to the one of the farm co-ops, like Crop Production or FS oh, Okay, around here. Um, 
Where did John Wayne Gacy get all his lime at? I don't, I'm not sure. I think he <laughs> minded himself. <laughs> I'll call me casual. <laughs> but, yeah, we, once you go there, they'll give you a little uh, soil test bag. Just go across your food plot, and you're going to pull, like, four or five samples out and do it, like, in an X pattern. Uh, just start at the corners and kind of work your oh, way yeah, to the center. Yeah. Just kind of do an X pattern and get a good mix, mix it all up in there. Mm-hmm. Each plot, put it in its own bag. Um, label it like plot number one or plot A or whatever you want to, and, and uh, take it in. They'll tell you what you need. It costs maybe ten dollars per sample. It's pretty cheap. They do most of the legwork for so you. So FS will like do that or whoever. Will yeah, do that. and most the, the the nice thing is is you can talk to these guys once you get the soil test back because sometimes they look a little complicated to look at. But if you just say, hey, I'm wanting to plant alfalfa, what does my soil need? He'll tell you what to put on oh. there. So oh, it makes okay. it pretty easy. Like add lime and add this and yeah. So yeah, but you're you wouldn't need two ton of lime per acre and you're going to need this much phosphate and so on and it's just so you wouldn't buy one of those uh, those gimmicks that like you see. Uh, I mean maybe maybe they work. I don't know, but it's like one of the pH sample things mm-hmm. um, where you just like you stick in the ground and it like it, it looks like a thermometer that you put in the ground. Yeah, and, you know you know those things. I'm not saying they don't work at all. They're not going to be near as accurate. It might give you a ballpark. You can say they don't work at all. That's fine yeah. if you want I mean, to. I mean, I can't say for sure. Nothing's I'd for like sure. To say, trash is what Clark I'd is like saying. I'd like to say they're junk, but I, I just I can't say that because I don't know for sure. I've used one, and it it was about right, so right. I don't know if it was lucky or, or not, but I'd, I'd already soiled it. It depends. Do you want to hit in the paper plate, or do you want to hit the X on the target That's every exactly time? what it boils down to. Yeah. Mean, Depends what you're looking for. If you want it to, to be done right, and it's really not that much harder to do it right <clears throat> if you just take the time to do it. It's just time. And I, I'll be honest, sometimes I get a little – it's not lazy. It's I'm in a hurry, and I kind of know most of my soils pretty well around my farms mm-hmm. and kind of know what they're going to need. So I'll just kind of guesswork at it. Um, I'll start off just kind of knowing that I'm going to need some lime. I'm going to need – uh, a balanced fertilizer and probably quite a bit of it and i'll just start that and then i'll test it the next year just to double see check it. how it's coming along because so, it takes about a year for for like powdered uh, crushed lime to really kick in good oh really so if it needs lime one year and you you add the lime it, need, it needs for that year will it need it again per se the next the, year if you put on the crush lime, like you see the big ag spreaders running around, yeah, that stuff is a lot longer lasting, but it takes longer to kick in. Gotcha. Uh, if you get the Pell lime that you would get like at the co-op, um, that stuff is is a lot quicker to react, but it's a pretty much an annual fix. Okay, really? it might eventually. If he's putting it on every year, it might eventually bring your pH up, but it's going to take a lot of it to do that. Um, it's going to be not very cost efficient. But if you're looking to put in some alfalfa this year, what you could do is put down your crushed lime, and you know it's not going to kick in good, but you could put some of the pell lime down with it okay, just to bring it up for a quick fix. So my plan is we plant, we kind of like poor man plotted some stuff. They The guy burn off the CRP, the guy who owns our lease, burn off the CRP, and it burn off. Um, we're going to plant the strips between the CRP. We can't actually obviously plant the CRP. Um, but actually, he's going to mark off a spot for us to plant where we are allowed to plant because, I don't know, whatever program he's in, we can do that. Right. Um, but we're going to save that for the fall. Um, so I'm not worried about that, right, talking to you about that right now. Um, but we're going to plant the buffer or the burn strips or buffer strips, I guess, whatever they call between the CRP right. um, in the fall also. But we went ahead and spread some, like, clover mixtures just did poor man plot style mm-hmm. after he burned 
hoping it'll grow. Um, really no strategy there, just kind of straight up poor man plot, just going for it. But if someone was wanting to plant something simple in the spring, kind of super low budget, that's going to be basically give the longest lasting. What am I trying to say here? My thought process is something that'll give the deer something to eat and bring them around through the spring and into the summer. And then if you wanted to disc it or till it and then replant something in the fall, what would you plant for the springtime? Is that is that confusing? I feel no, like I didn't I, lay that I out understand. very clear. No, that's um, – there's some annual clovers you could plant mm-hmm. um, that would be good for that. Uh, a lot of the other clovers – like an annual would be a burr seam. Um, there's a crimson clover that that's pretty quick to grow. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not going to keep coming back over and over. It could reseed itself. I'm not saying you won't see any the next year, but yeah. it's not going to be a, a perennial clover plot that mm-hmm. just – looks lush for five years in a row like like a a ladino clover would be but mm-hmm. uh, the ladino like when you plant that and that's what you'll see imperial white clover or imperial white tail a lot yeah, of the, yeah. a lot of those brands that it's it's a some kind of a variety of uh ladino clover so okay and that that stuff is it it takes a little longer to establish but once it's established, you've got it for a few years. Where if you it go takes with, like year after year of planting, is that what you mean by establish yeah. it? Well, no, I mean it would just you would plant it one year and get five years of usage out of it. Okay. Um, so we did plant some clover, and I know there's a spot that we have to meet up, and he's going to mark it off. We're going to plant this here in the spring, and I think we were planning on doing just kind of like a straight clover plot that, and then turning it over and planting something for the fall, okay. like in August. I don't yeah. know. Is that a good idea? It's not a bad idea because the, through the spring and summer, it's going to once that clover comes up, it's going to be putting uh, nitrogen into the ground. Okay, so it'll be overall, it'll be healthier for the soil. Yeah, it, it helps helps the soil. And if you till it in green, it kind of gives that green manure. Um, it'll rot in the soil and kind of decompose. Oh yeah, hmm. give a nice little boost of uh, stuff for the next crop that's coming up, whether it be brassica or. Uh, some kind of cereal grain mix that you're going to be putting in. Yeah, our plan is to something that's going to stay green. I think. Yeah, I don't really know. That's another podcast to happen. Yeah, <laughs> late summer. Um, so clovers are kind of basically a a good baseline across the board. You can't really go wrong with them. Yeah, if, if I was going to go get clover, I would go to one of the local seed stores and get something like a a burr seam or a some crimson clover or something because it's cheaper and it's going to establish quicker mm-hmm. um, that'd get you a quick start for if you wanted if you knew you're going to plow it in the next or this coming fall yeah um, anything you was going to leave in there i would go with ladino or uh, a red clover of okay. some type so that's something we might do where it's just grass in certain spots instead of because you know the spots where we're going to hunt near we're going to do something for the fall but there's other spots where people might mow it often and mm-hmm. we might just do like a clover like that in those areas and i don't right. know just something sort of basic i guess i don't know if that's technically basic but yeah it seems that way to me it seems more yeah. simplistic yeah it's it's doing fire breaks and so on you can't hardly go wrong with a clover because it's just going to give you something else for the deer to feed on i mean you could be just mowing grass and keeping the fire break short and you're not really getting much out of it but when you put clover on it at least you're getting some use out of that fire break does clover handle well to be in mode often or how's it um it it does best if it's mowed about three times through the summer okay uh, usually around the the major holidays like 
Memorial Day, Fourth of July, and Labor Day. Oh, really? Is that like the rule of thumb? Yeah, kind of. Wow, I didn't know that. That's kind that's, of a good tip. Well, that's why those holidays are where they are. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> probably right. right. You're probably yeah. right. Take note of that, Doug, it. will you? <laughs> yeah, they planned that around. They planned yeah. the holiday making around uh, when you cut clover. So right, yeah, exactly. Right. Of course. So of course. you know, Fourth of July, <laughs> Independence Day. Well, you know, it's like, hey, bro. Yeah, it's just. I, a I've rule got nothing of thumb. to go on there. <laughs> the, the best way is uh, I always watch the farmers. If, if the farmers are bailing, then you probably need to be mowing some some clover plots. So where do you see them at farmersonly.com or how do you know? Yeah, I mean I I watch that a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, a lot of yeah, hunt stand farmers only. <laughs> On X maps. I got them all, man. Yeah, that's that's, that's Clark's uh, summer food plot scouting tip. <laughs> Check the farmers. <laughs> I bet you 2% of the people on Farmers Only are actually farmers. Oh, probably. And the other guys are like, "Man, I saw Justin Moore once when I was 19." <laughs> right, cool, buddy. <laughs> okay, so what else besides clover is a good spring option? I mean, I'm sure there's a ton. Sugar beets would be one you could put in in the spring. Okay. Um, a lot of people put sugar beets in later, but it's got a lot longer uh, growing season than, than mm-hmm. say, a, a standard brassica like turnip or rapewood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to take you a little longer. So uh, late spring, I would say, would be a good time to plant sugar beets. Um, people that do sugar beets really like them they are hard to establish because the deer really do mow them off that quick huh yeah they they do like those right away so, so if you got like a smaller plot you wouldn't say sugar beet like i've got yeah. maybe like a a spot that i could plant some i think there's been clover there but it's probably like 200 feet by like 70 feet long it ain't very big but like if i put sugar beets in there you think that's just a lost cause most likely yeah so you want like a whole like acres worth of something like that would you yeah think? sugar beets seem to be better with with bigger areas I've, what is I've it about it. sugar beets that makes them tear them up so bad or so sugar quickly? is I that just what it is just, yeah I, I don't know there must be something in there i, I guess just the sweetness of it or sugar so i i've had a hard time establishing them i've i've tried them several times on small plots and i just can't get them established so what like turnips is that's a fall food plot type yeah so turnips get good when it frosts or am i incorrect <laughs> right yeah that's that's uh that's true so the deer dig them up, and is that the – we planted turnips one time back when I was really young, and I don't—I was too young to even remember what happened with them. What's so funny, yeah. Steve? What the fuck? I just thought of something really stupid. It, okay, it, never mind. It, no, no, no. It's going to be funny. It's going to be – like, it, it's going to get to a point where I people don't know are why like – I asked. Sorry. They're going to be like, man, I'm only going to give my deer organic food, Splenda beets, and <laughs> you seriously laughed out loud to himself yeah, over I, just, I thought of some – I thought of, like, some vegan hunter thinking, I want my deer as healthy as possible, so no, like, mass-produced crop is what <laughs> Okay. <laughs> is that not stupid? Thank you for being here, Steve. <laughs> this is the mind of a genius. Yeah, you're doing great. So, uh, you, all right, you guys, I we laugh now, but like in ten years, <laughs> you're, you're gonna be like, right. Dude, yeah, yeah. he was he probably he, is right. Yeah, you seem so dumb now on episode all the way up to two fourteen, but when we get to like. Episode five thousand, some whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Like, like, holy shit, he's right about everything, <laughs> dude. All those wrestling references. F- make F- he's the, the, the Steve, with you. Steve Stradamus. 
Dude, people used to say when people are like, no, the earth is flat. They go, those people are dumb. And now they're like, man, those people are man, geniuses. Man, Steve's been passing deer, been passing bucks on his. No wonder Steve hasn't killed shit. He's passing all his deer. He's killing 400-inch deer now. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag do the research. <laughs> so back to turnips. That's a fall. Yeah, fall. Most of the time, uh, turnips, there, there's an old farmer saying it's uh, – Wet or dry, twenty fifth of July. That's when you want to plant your turnips. I've actually really? had better luck planting them a little earlier than that. Ooh. Okay, uh, so does a turnip? Because they get big. Mm-hmm. I have some wet areas where kind of there might be some standing water. How does a turnip handle that sort of stuff? Is it? I, I feel like it's. Yeah, I don't like planting it in real wet areas. Personally, I like okay. it. I like it up. They seem to me. <clears throat> I've had better luck planting them in a little, not dry soil, but stuff that drains well. Okay, because there's two spots we have an option to plant. One's kind of on a, a slanted hillside. One's a low area, mm-hmm. and I don't know. Like, I don't know enough about what to plant the, in an area that's wet a lot, or if there's anything that's going to make it. I've had good luck with turnips <clears throat> in wet areas that were not wet for that particular season, mm-hmm. uh, but when it actually is a wet area that stays wet through that whole season, I just haven't had great luck planting turnips with that. What's one of the oddest things that you've just planted that like the deer hit? Like say you accidentally, you know, got seeds mixed up, you got like jalapenos or something, you're like jalapenos. Crushing yeah. it. I planted a whole jalapeno plot. <laughs> I had this buck doing? I named Pedro. <laughs> it was, we had this we had a farm garden. Matt may remember this, but we had what we called the farm garden and Oh, is this, this is really a real thing? Yeah, this, this is, okay, yeah, oh this my is God. I thought we literally had in front of our farm we had this I mean, you racist. <laughs> it was there was this we had a little small garden. Garden, and I put just peppers and stuff, stuff that I ran out of room at home. So I took them into the farm and I just tilled up a small area and thought stuff the deer won't eat. So oh no, this one deer kept coming back in. He wasn't a big buck. He's a two and a half year old, but he'd come uh-huh. in and he would always eat like <laughs> the cayenne peppers. Nah, so I just named him Pedro and I was hoping he'd grow huge so that I could still call him Pedro when I got him, but he he just he died that year. He probably yeah. died. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you can tell when you're like you're like looking for deer droppings, you go, Oh, he totally was yeah. here. I can tell Pedro was here. I want to see what's eating it. And you could see because he's like he would walk up to him and he was kind of like scared. And he would he would walk up funny. You could tell in the pictures that he's just walking up funny, like he was. And he would eat, and you could see where it was almost like he'd eat it and run off. Well, it's like burning. <laughs> but he'd come back and eat them as soon as they grew again. He'd be back in there because he was probably trying to impress a girl. He's like, I'm not very big. I'm not going to win a fight. I got to win her somehow. Yeah, I'm going to plant a Carolina Reaper next. Time. <laughs> oh my god, dude, is that is that cruel? Is that no? They is probably that don't illegal, have, dude. They probably don't have the don't same know. taste buds. I don't know if they'd have the same. Just, oh, that's what I wondered. Maybe what they would. Thought. His reaction, just and this is photos. I didn't have it on video, but just photos because I want to see what was eaten oh, in my garden, dude. I, I kind of want to plant slaughter. <laughs> yeah, you got to plant. Some hot pepper and have it on video on trail cam just that to see what funny. gets on. Come on, man. That's mean, but yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, turn, they know if you eat one little typical. bit, you don't eat another one. <laughs> I couldn't believe he ate it. I just, I didn't think they'd eat it. But the thing that they ate the most out, and I wish I had a whole field full of them, Brussels sprouts. I could, oh, I didn't really? know why we planted them because I don't even like Brussels sprouts, but we planted these things and the deer just devastated them. Really? They dug them completely. Every row was just dug, deer tracks everywhere. How, like, were they, like, mature they Brussels were just Brussels about ready like just about ready to take out of the garden and they just wiped really? them out and they dug Dude. them completely out there was nothing left 
Damn. How much would it cost to plant like a full acre of Brussels sprouts? <laughs> no, I, I, was was I need to find bulk Brussels sprouts. <laughs> dude, I need a 50 pound bag of Brussels sprouts. <laughs> they're gonna like, dude, you're gonna go in and ask them at FS and they're like, get out of here right now. And then they like, they call the like the farm police. <laughs> I think dude, we got the guy. There's a picture of Clark up on the cork board there. It's all black. Don't sell this weirdo. He's feeding deer hot peppers and Brussels sprouts. What the hell's wrong with this guy? I thought you were gonna say you planted acres of ho- an acre of jalapeno. <laughs> no, that would be funny. They didn't bother the jalapeno. It was the cayenne. And peppers is what he liked. I don't Man, know that's why. Wild. Do you think they eat bell peppers? I don't know. Oh, I'm sure any leaf type material. I'm sure they'd eat. Man, yeah. why not? Like it's just foliage. Yeah, Dude, they probably wouldn't eat potatoes if you plant them. I don't know if they would eat the pepper. Well, they might. They eat like yeah. locust pods and shit. Yeah, they actually. This one ate the pepper because at first he just bit it, and then <laughs> then after that, when they would grow, I'd just just about the time you'd think they was almost ready, you come back and they're gone. Again. Wow, that's so amazing. That's Really interesting, actually. It would be fun to plant like a whole garden or like a circle garden, just like where it's they could just take their like a buffet. Yeah, they could take just see what they want. Just plant the most random shit. I bet they'd crush tomatoes. They didn't bother that. That's the one thing really? they didn't bother. I, I had tomatoes on the farm, and they didn't bother them too. Not much. even like the leaves of the tomato plant. They, they might have nipped at them a little, but they didn't. They didn't ruin them. What else did you? Uh, damn, dude. dude when when I went to taxidermy school, the guy had a live deer in the pen for references, and you could take any branch off anything. I mean, these aren't like vegetable plants, but they're just leaves. And just the deer would come up, and you'd feed it to him a little lawnmower, just mow them all down. Don't matter what you grabbed. He could pick a plant off the ground and feed him the. Le- he just eat it. And I imagine they just eat that shit all the time. Oh, yeah. probably. I'm sure. You think carrots they would? Carrots? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've heard carrots sure. are good. I've never tried them personally, but I've read an, an article about carrots in it. Well, get turnips are root. Plant. Yeah. I think any so. root like that would be pretty good. Probably an onion, though. I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. I bet you'd be like a, like a early, like a, an onion that we wouldn't eat, but like early in the growth stage, I imagine they'd probably tear it up. They might. They'd have the worst there breath out there. <laughs> so, okay, back to like... So clovers are a safe bet on anything. They, it seems like a is it a pretty hardy plant? You can kind of spread clover, do a poor man plot with clover, and it is um, certain breeds of clover do better. You still want your your pH. You're going to get better results if your pH is up closer to seven. Mm-hmm. Most of the stuff around here, um, speaking for our our area of, of Illinois, mm-hmm. seems like it's usually in the low fives. And if you can bring it up into the like six and a half to seven range, uh, it seems to be better. Okay, just as taller, more lush, um, seems to be better. Just uses the fertilizer better when you do that. So okay, um, something else I want to talk about. So because I did clover mix, whatever, and um, I don't know if there's something that comes to mind that we haven't covered that'd be a good um, safe bet to plant for a spring food plot um, besides a clover. Um, so if you have something in mind, bring it yeah. up. But um, I wanted to get to eventually that green screen grass that i've been kind of obsessed with texting you about all the time that stuff's awesome uh that's that's from arrow seed company it's 39 dollars for a acre bag and if you stretch out what you really need you only need about a 12 to 15 feet section of it so i mean if you wipe that down yeah i mean you can do a lot so with with a one acre bag the reason why i'm so interested in that is there's a county road that can you basically see my property from yeah and we found two spikes this year looking for sheds that had five five six or two twenty two holes in the shoulder somebody was (laughs) shooting some deer from the road which is absolute bullshit um but i thought i'll plant that green screen because you said it grows super tall yeah um and throughout different areas on the property along the whole fence line along the road 
Um, and then maybe throughout some of those buffer strips where I'm not going to hunt anywhere near to give those deer some um, concealment to move back and forth for wherever they're moving through CRP or through our food plot that we plant or wherever it may be. Yeah, that, that stuff's awesome. For, there's so many different uses for it, uh, whether you're screening the roads or screening your approach route, how you're going to walk to your stand. Um, it could even be just a section of food plot. I've, I've heard of some guys, might have been Larry, I can't remember, some some people that have like a one-acre plot of clover, and they want the deer to just move around better. And they'll plant a strip through the center of it just so they have to basically walk around it to look and see what's on the other side. Oh, Ooh. really? Yeah. Playing mind games with the deer. Yeah. yeah, that's something we do need to transition to is the, the layouts of food plots. Yeah. Um, I know it's something you want to talk about, then we'll get into the turkey game here. Um, so what, what like you just said, you can strategically plant things to make deer move a certain way or act a certain way around a certain crop, I guess. Um, what's your favorite layout of a food plot? Probably my favorite would be uh, like an hourglass shape. And a lot of times, if you imagine the hourglass having two separate forages on the the bigger parts of the hourglass and then in the narrow, uh, just kind of have a meet so that when they, they can kind of come between the food plot, your stand naturally is going to sit at the narrowest spot of the mm-hmm. hourglass. Like a funnel. So, yeah, so that um, you might have, a say, a half acre at each side, and then it narrows down in the center so that you've got a... So is the temper gotcha. around it and around to where it pinches together? Or do you have like yeah. that gr- tall grass planted in between? It, it can it can be either one. Um, if you just design it so that you're forcing your deer movement down to that narrow, if they gotta if they gotta go through a and when I say narrow area, I'm talking twenty five or thirty yards wide. That's your kill spot mm-hmm. um, from your tree. Yeah, you know, chip shot range. Chip yeah, shot put them in chip shot range so that when they come from one side of that food plot to the other, it might be a half acre to another half acre, and they're gonna cut through that little thirty yard gap. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good a good strategy. Um, just a, a nice angled plot where, say, it's got two legs and that they can't really see. Like a, if you had just a long skinny plot, they can just sit at one end and watch the other end. Right. But if you took that and made it a ninety degree angle, they've got to basically get to that point where it the angle is to see down the other leg is that where you're going to start using ah. that green screen so if say you had a big open field or if know, it's in the timber or if it's in the timber yeah but you have a big open field i mean would you try to use some of that green screen to then pinch that to do what you were you were talking about um or like would you just hope that naturally happens you could you know? do it either way i've i've done both i've done it with with i've never done it i just started using green screen last year mm-hmm. and was really impressed with it uh before I would use just brush, oh okay, um, or it might even be just just heavy grass. I mean, just planting tall grass or even horse weeds. Uh, you can make horse weeds grow, which is basically ragweed. Just yeah. just by disking up ground most of the time. If you just disk it and leave it, you'll wind up having some really tall weeds by the end of the summer. Most oh of the really? Time. Yeah. Hmm. I I don't know anything so, about this shit. That's amazing. That yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's not always, but a lot of times, if you just disc something up, it like stirs up all them natural seeds, and it just mm. it just kind of explodes by the end of the summer. When's the best time to plant the green screen? Um, I would say probably in June. Oh, I really? Guess. Yeah. So if there's uh, grass already there. Can you plant that green screen with it? 
Yeah, you're better. Or would you, di- you tell it? I would it work it up, yeah. You would work it okay. Yeah, you, you want it to be nice, clean dirt. To- okay, let me throw this at you. If a ditch has been burned, like right around now, when would be the best time to plant it? Would you just, uh, could you throw it down now? I wouldn't. Um, and I'm not saying you couldn't. I, I would personally wait just a little bit longer. Uh, it's a sorghum, and most sorghums do a little better later. Mm, okay. Uh, so we're still in that cold cold time, and yeah. I just don't think that it would do it as sucks. well right now. Okay. Okay. Because uh, that's something I am going to try in certain areas just to see how it works. Yeah. It looks really good, dude. I was, like, walking through. I'm like, what the hell? Dude, this is awesome looking. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy stuff. Yeah, Steve's seen it firsthand. Yeah, I was going to say, how the hell did you see it? But I'm like, oh, yeah, you mooch. (laughs) Well, yeah. What I would do (laughs) is, like you were talking about, you had some areas that you thought would would be good for it now. Go in there as soon as that starts to green up and just spray with Roundup. Oh, okay. uh, Ahead of time. So that way, when you do go to plant it, you've already kind of taken that first step towards your weed control. Okay. But if you're trying to keep your land as non-GMO as possible... Don't use Roundup either. Bad choice, bad choice. Yeah. No Monsanto, none here. Yeah, you could just walk around with a torch. <laughs> yeah, there you, you go. Burn with butane. Yeah. <laughs> with butane, that's right. Do we hit um, the basics of spring food plotting, do you think? Yeah. I mean, there's something we missed. The only I'm thing, sure there's the a only lot. thing I'll, I'll add to that is uh, clover seems to do better in lower moist soil. Um, if you're on upland that's seeing more sun, alfalfa tends to do a little better. Uh, When's that's the spring alfalfa is? Yeah, you could plant alfalfa anytime just from about right now on. I mean, oh really? Yeah, till around May fifteenth. Okay. So I would I would do the same with clover if I was doing a spring planting. Much beyond May fifteenth, it's okay if you get a lot of rain, but it starts to hit that dry time when it because you got to figure it's going to be a couple weeks before you really see it grow, and then you get into June and you start hitting them dry summer days. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so if, if I not, already seeded some clover, and I'm, I'm is that clover going to suffer? No, so cold? clover right now should be all right because okay. uh, you can frost seed clover. Okay. And even alfalfa, they say alfalfa doesn't do as well to frost seed, but the the clover does really well frost seed. I, I look for the clovers to really explode this coming week when it gets warmer. Okay, so since I've already frost seeded, I can go in and say a few weeks and reseed and then spread some alfalfa like in three weeks? Yeah, the only thing is putting alfalfa on on an established area that's already got some stuff growing is it alfalfa's got an autotoxin in it that basically kills off stuff around it no shit so it's weird if you plant it all together it seems to be fine but if you plant it after something else is up and germinated then it seems to kill it off a little bit so whoa i didn't know that yeah it's kind of a weird nature Hmm. thing i guess damn i feel like we're barely chiseling into your knowledge on just food plot stuff yeah i I'm just making stuff up as I go. <laughs> yeah, no shit, dude. He's, he's like, a, yeah. He looked at the dictionary. He's like, all right, uh, here's a here's a big word, sugar. We're gonna call it glucose. <laughs> it sounds good on paper. That'd be a thesaurus too. Is actually what you be. Yeah, thesaurus. All right. Did we cover? Did we? What else have we missed? I mean, the only. I mean, other than that, without making an eight-hour-long podcast, yeah, it's becoming time to put in your, or it will be time within the next month or so. To have your corn and beans in, of course, have that stuff set up for your. Do you plant that for deer a lot? I do, yeah. Really, I plant usually a couple like big. I call them destination plots, where that's where I want the deer. Like if I've got a four acre area that I'm planting, four or five acres, I might plant three of it to soybeans, and then go around the perimeters and plant some brassica, 
later or maybe some clover for year round. Just do you have a planner or do you like broadcast that? I use a planner. Um, I've got a four row planner, but you can, you can broadcast that, especially soybeans. They'll grow if you broadcast them. Oh really? Yeah. Don't you need how, what would be the minimum size plot you could do for soybeans? I would say an acre is a good rule of thumb. Not saying you can't do less, but if you've got a very big deer density, they'll mow them off and you just won't get a lot out of it. Okay. Um, but another one is sweet corn. If you had a big enough area, we've planted sweet corn before, and it blows regular corn away. So if anybody's oh, really? trying to experiment, that's something that it, <laughs> you won't believe. It's like candy. And they don't stop with just eating the corn. They eat the entire stock. Really? Yeah, yeah wow. they just keep eating it. I mean, throughout the whole year, they just keep mowing it down. I guess it's kind of like you get that corn honey that's inside of the stock where you can squeeze it out. Corn yeah. honey is my new favorite word. Yeah, you got some corn honey. So, <laughs> and basically that corn. stuff. Yeah, I, I've only done it a couple times just because sweet corn's expensive. Yeah, but if you could find it, I've I've talked to other people that have found big lots of uh, sweet corn from like a seed company that's getting rid of their last year's stuff or something. If I could find a lot of sweet corn, I would plant it. Really? How would broadcasting sweet corn work? I, you know, I think it would work all right if you just watched your rate. Don't get them too close together. Yeah, because you couldn't get through it. Yeah. Or it probably wouldn't grow. It would probably choke itself out, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it would. It would probably choke itself out if it's too close. But Dude, it's like the ultimate thing, too. Like, you plant it, you know, you go check on your, uh, check on your, uh, your little green babies, and then you go and just, dude, you can grab a snack. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what if you mixed... <laughs> this, you might call me an idiot, but I'm just... Oh, God, here we go. Box here. here we go. What if you mixed, like... Soybeans, some sweet corn, and some clover ant, and you just made sure that the soybeans and the sweet corn were not going to be overwhelming to whatever else was in it, and you just broadcasted it. I think you could do good. You'd about have to put your your corn and your sweet or uh, your soybeans and your sweet corn down first, yeah, and then go back over it with the where the bare dirt was, and, yeah, or the in between, yeah, to spread. That'd the, be stupid, or you think it'd be. I don't think it's stupid because I, there's a lot of bird mixes that are similar to that. They'll have sorghum and corn and soybeans and stuff in mm-hmm. it, and they grow. I mean, the biggest problem is it's just so hard to get an ear of corn out of it because right, right. it always tends to get overpopulated. I get that. All right. Interesting. Okay. Well, I, I know what I'm going to stick to, and uh, all of the listeners can, you know, you can decide what you're going to stick to, what you're going to do. Um, I don't normally do like a poor man plot, but we've been talking about maybe trying to put a real plot in and I'll take some awesome photos of Clark planting my food plots for me. <laughs> yeah. With his shirt off driving the tractor. <laughs> With his shirt off. Yeah. Don't know why. That, this is going to be good. I'm like, Clark, why is your shirt off, man? Just farmers only, man. Dude, why do you got a Tasmanian devil tattoo? I thought that was out in the 80s. Oh, my bad. I, I was thinking about your... getting this awesome tattoo that said Parliament. Oh man, that man! Fun I, fact: If you can guess who has a Parliament tattoo, <laughs> <laughs> and not the cigarettes or the British form of government. Uh, all right, can we transition to turkeys? Yeah, we can. Fifty minutes in here, I'm ready to go after turkeys. It's okay, all right, here we go. Now he's fired days. up. Me too. Now Clark's all finally sudden, ready. You to just podcast. seen my eyes kind of pop open. Finally, that's what we should have started out. Kansas bound in a couple of days. Clark, you're going to Kansas. Yeah, I'm going to Kansas first time. Me and Doug are going to Kansas as well for the first yeah. time. Oh yeah. Wait, you guys Big figure Doug. out how far apart you guys are going to be? Well, you're going to be in. Uh, I sent you that El Dorado. Yeah. We're going to be in. Uh, give me a moment. Scott City, right? 
Um, How far is from Wichita are you guys? Pretty far. We're west central Kansas is where we're going. I would say we're east central. We are going to be in... Shit. Prairie View, Kansas. Oh, Prairie View. Prairie Storm Outfitting makes sense. Ha, yeah. That does make sense. So, yeah, west central-ish. Kansas. First time ever going to Kansas, fun fact, and first time hunting out of state for me, ever. Oh, really? So I'm yeah. pretty jacked about it. And first opportunity out of at a different critter or subspecies of a critter. Yeah, I'm excited to hunt I'm hoping to get a Rio. Be cool, man. They said where we're at, you'll have some places, it depends which farm we go to, but some have hybrids. Some really? have Easterns, and, and then there's some areas that just have pure rios what's what's a hybrid look like between an eastern and a rio i think it's it's kind of hard to distinguish i mean unless you know what you're looking for it's like a blend color or is it just one or the other it's just uh kind of looks like a eastern i think more but just a little darker tips on the feathers is the way i understood but i so i'm glad where we're going it should just be pure rios where we are going god what a letdown if you see easterns (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm excited man because i would like to get the slam which we talked about this a little bit last podcast Mm -hmm. slam is i'm sure you know clark the whole do you have a slam or you don't No, i've I've only hunted easterns i've never i've never hunted any of the other subspecies so it's easterns which is a midwestern turkey Mm -hmm. rios which is south West-ish. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then say west, southwest. Merriams are northwest. Those are beautiful birds. And here. then Osceola's are Florida. Right. Only Florida. Yep. And then there's different variations of, like, there's the Mexican Osceola, right? Yeah, like a Gould's. Yeah. yeah is, that a, is that a Gould's? Yeah. I think. I Gould's? Think. Yeah, I don't See, know if people, that's the, People sent us like pictures, and they're like, "Is this what you're talking about?" We're like, "Yeah, I don't know if that's what we're talking about." I think it's a it Mexican. Well, then there's those oscillated ones that you, have you seen those? The crazy like, peacock looking ones. Yeah, yeah, that's the one we're talking about. Oh, okay, yeah, it's yeah. Like crazy, colorful. Yeah, I think yeah. they're called oscillated. Then the ultimate turkey, the turkey vulture. Yeah, there What's, we go. Probably don't want to shoot one of those. I don't know no. if that's legal to shoot those <laughs> or not, or as we call them around here, beer buzzards. <laughs> I told I called the I told him, I, I remember I just called him that once and Kurt thought that was the funniest thing and beer bus I I yeah. always call them turkey vultures I uh, never heard beer buzzards before well yeah. and I told you and then you started calling him that and like the story is when we were camping when I was a little kid my every time my dad would crack over a beer we'd look up you know we're in a state park <laughs> and we'd see him circling hence the name beer buzzards you're That's an right. idiot all right um, I didn't come up with that how am I the idiot for telling you this you come story? from a family of idiots oh come on bro. Um, I was going to all about wild turkeys. I'm on nationalwildturkeyfederation.org. I was you guys are going to drink wild turkey too, right? Um, only if I kill one. I'm going to hang out with 101 turkeys. <laughs> are you guys strictly bow hunting? I imagine. <laughs> yeah, we're just bow hunting. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because it's only bow season this weekend, right? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it is. I don't know my regulations. It can't <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah it is. You guys are using both bows then? Yeah, we're definitely bowing. Matt and I. Because this will be for respect the game. You gonna yep. kill one, Matt? We'll try. Big old one. At a boy. We'll try again. <laughs> Matt just, is a turkey slayer. Turkey killers. Hey, they just like do raccoons kill turkey? I could see raccoons killing chicks. Raccoons are eggs. hard on the eggs. Yeah. Oh, the eggs too. You wouldn't yeah. see like a raccoon like taking on a full so, bird. Right? In Illinois, <laughs> in Illinois, you can't hunt turkeys past one o'clock. Right. Is that all seasons one through five? Yeah. Man, what are, what's their what reasoning on that? Is it because the nest? Sorry, is that? 
monitor bright i've heard i've heard both but not ever from a biologist so i'm not really sure but i've heard it's uh just to give them some time to basically nest time do their nesting and um, even their breeding season a little undisturbed just let them have the afternoon to be turkeys but the yeah, other the other theory the afternoon I've heard delight. Is because of the mushroom people it allows oh, really? people in the state parks to have a time to go mushrooming and i don't know okay, which, which theory is true drop the morel mushroom it's all about Hen of the Woods in the fall. <laughs> hen of the Woods are good. Man, I, I'm telling you, I had Hen of the Woods last uh, within the last couple of years for the first time. Yeah. You get so much more for than you do for a morel. I love yeah. morels, don't get me wrong. But you just, find one Hen of the Woods you can eat for a while. Yeah, you have all the morels you'll find for a year almost. Yeah, you find three Hen of the Woods. Oh, they. I know what you're talking about now. Oh, it's like a blossom look. Yeah, and they like peel apart. They're good, man. They're good. Pull a picture up. I, I measured a deer for a guy, and as like a thank you, like gift, he gave me two full blown gallon bags full of Hen of the Woods. Wow. Didn't Justin Timberlake do that song? Hen of the Woods. <laughs> I'm um, not sure about no, that. No, it's Man so of the let's, Woods. Let's run it's through this real you. quick since we're talking about like the subspecies wild turkey. We did this last episode a little bit, but since this is a turkey episode we're getting into now, um, I think it deserves a refresher. Um, Eastern, uh, which is sort of like the basic baseline turkey, right? Yeah. I would yeah. say that's the most common. Like, yeah, most common, I would say. It's the white tail of turkey. Basically. Well, I would say the most common is the uh, white farm-raised turkey, since there's more of those <laughs> than right. any other turkey. <laughs> Can I have a... Would you, would you like a... Um, Osceola, Florida wild turkey, which we knew that. We called that one. Um, I think the eastern's the biggest. Rio Grande, which is what we're hunting this weekend. How cool would it be if we all got one? I'm going to go with a Butterball is probably the biggest, uh, just by averages. Merriam... Which I think is the prettiest bird um, with all the white that I'm wearing. Yeah, has. those are beautiful. Like a Rio is like halfway to a Merriam. Right. You know what I mean? From an Eastern, like they got that coffee creamer, like uh, stripe or whatever strip on their fan. Um, Goulds? 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 Wild turkey. Um, it's only in Arizona, New Mexico, and northern uh, northern Mexico. It's, uh, its population is few in numbers. Um, and the oscillated wild turkey. This species can only be found in a 50,000 square mile area in the, whoa, I can't read, Yucatan, Yucatan, Pensuela of Mexico, northern Belize, and the El, man, I can't read Spanish, region of North Guatemala. Okay. Um, Rainbow-like, indecent feathering, gray tail feathers, and blue and gold tips. Adult males weigh 11 to 12 pounds. Them are small. That is very small. What's a no beard, very long spurs. High pitched gobbles are preceded by a hollow drumming sound. So 11 to 12 pounds, and the oscillated turkey. What's an eastern? 18 to 30 pounds. Yeah. Hmm. Matt, Matt got one last year, 30.6. Really? Yeah. Man, they need to update their page. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they need to put an asterisk in your name right next asterisk to that. Matt Cummings. <laughs> Dude, I'm kind of looking at because I was I was trying to look up you know why why all the farm raised turkeys are pure white. You know, if you ever seen them, they look like turkeys, but they're pure white. Dude, I found this one. It's called a bourbon red. It's a domestic turkey breed. Dude, that thing is sick looking. Look, like, it's on Google, so they're not going into like they're just going to different things. So it's kind of weird where these 
We've been talking about like wild turkeys the whole time. Steve's been on domesticated cool, turkeys though. from the get. Is that not cool? That's cool. Well, no, but the but the thing is, I'm kind of curious of how they how they pulled that off. You know what? How neat is they at? What subspecies they pulled that? Did they originate as easterns and then? I hear you. You know, up, it I, is interesting. I'm, I bet you it's you had to dig back really far. I imagine it's an eastern inbred that's been pumped full of a bunch of stuff to make them 50 pounds. Yeah, and, I mean, it has to be because, you know, and then you think of like uh Well, eastern's the biggest subspecies, so I'd imagine it's an eastern, like, descendant. I would think. That's just where I'm, I'm curious about that now. I shouldn't be as curious as I am, but it's piqued my interest because, like, now you're like, what kind of turkey am I eating? You know, well, where did the, like the pilgrims and the Indians have Thanksgiving? That would be yeah, exactly. The first. What did they? Um, yeah, was it a Merriam or was it? It had to be an Eastern because they were on the Eastern Shore. Yeah, good, good, good. But job. you never know, think, dude. I would, I would say Easterns. I'm still thinking it was a butterball turkey. I bet it was, you, it was the first dude, butterball turkey. I bet turkey. you Rios and Merriams didn't even exist. <laughs> I bet you they didn't. It's, it's probably some man-made thing that. I, I wonder. Could be. They inbred them somewhere. There's somebody that's a biologist on turkey screaming right they, now. Dude, if they're a scientist or anyone well-respected, they're not listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> right. Shout out to all the fans who are still with us. You guys are homies, but you can when you get it, none of your doctors, neither Working am I. class bow hunter. <laughs> Dirty hands, clean money. Welcome to the show. Okay. We're going to go through... Uh, can we do that? I want to do the social media things. That'll just dive us right into some yeah. turkey stuff here. Yeah, that's fine. Um Scott Clark here, our only Canadian listener. Um, what's the best thing to do if you accidentally bust the birds off the roost? Still set up there and hope they come back? With a question mark. Yeah, that that's a good question because that sometimes happens, um, and hopefully when that happens, the the toms go a different direction than the hens. If you if you can split the the flock, uh, people actually do that sometimes on purpose. Really. Yeah, when you're having hinned up gobblers that you just can't work, they'll just bust the flock. And turkeys usually don't take a real long time to kind of forget. It's not like a deer that 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 day's boogered. I mean, right, right. Uh, I personally don't bust them intentionally in the spring. I've heard of other people doing it. I have intentionally busted them in the fall. So how do you bust them in the spring or the fall? Like, what's the just going loud? Turkey push. Basically, you just get. <laughs> I mean, you can do it if they're on the ground. You just basically run right into them and just oh, if they're already them, yeah. they're out of the roost. And if they're into the roost, just creep in underneath of them and just let your presence be known. And all of a sudden, they'll start flying all directions, and the woods will be dead quiet for a while. It might be a half hour, it might be an hour and a half. Do you like yeah. to use but, like a, a yeti call or something like? <laughs> yeah. that spread them out. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, I've been practicing for, yeah, for Yeti Kansas. call. That's what I do. Yeah, I usually use a Yeti call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, take an old Louisville well. slugger and hit it against a tree. Hit <laughs> <laughs> the tree they're roosting in. <laughs> See, the only other Yeti call I know is when you hear the uh, the Crown Royal and root beer. Ice <laughs> clanking around in that Yeti. With a baseball bat just walk through the woods. Yeah, okay, I didn't know that was an effective strategy. So you could... Yeah. You could easily just that Mike. It could benefit you. Yeah, it can because they're gonna, especially this time of year where they're grouped up fairly good, they're gonna start to try to relocate each other and get back with the flock. So you could start back with some lost calls, like some longer hen yelps and some kiki runs and so on. And uh, kiki runs, my favorite turkey call. Yeah, that is a cool call. Let's hear it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I want to on it. <clears throat> yeah, that's. I mean, I can't really do it with my mouth. Yeah, so I'm I the didn't next bring Josh Carney. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm no Josh Carney. I can't do that. Well, hey, you know. So, it is what it but, is. yeah, it's uh, interesting. That, 
that it's I wouldn't give up. If you bust some turkeys on accident, don't give up. It just give it some time. You're just gonna have to be patient. Later season, it could be better. Or I'm just I'm, I'm assuming they're more call shy or stuck with their hens later later into the season. They are. Yeah, that's they they'll be more hen up. It depends how late. If sometimes you get when it's really late and they're on the nest, then it it may or may not benefit you at all at that point. I mean, usually at that point in the year, I'm trying not to spook them at all, but. Um, this time of year, when the turkeys are naturally grouped up, still mm-hmm. that's that's not a bad strategy to to break them. I, I I'll be honest, I don't do it a lot because I'm hunting private property and it's forty fifty acres at a time. I don't want to run them into the neighbors. But right, um, if you had a big enough area, three hundred acre farm, and you could bust them and kind of see where they go and move a little closer to where a lot of the turkeys went and just wait for them to start to regroup, they'll start calling back and forth at each other. Eventually, okay. All right, good question. Thanks, Scott, for submitting that. Next in line is also a Scott, Scotty Sullivan. Check out two podcasts ago. Um, He was a guest on that one. In Illinois, we can't hunt evenings uh, for birds. If you can't roost them, what would be the best way trying to get on birds the day of your hunt? You know, there's birds on the farm you're hunting but haven't located them before season. Kind of a weird question to ask. No, that I mean I think that's pretty common for working people that you sometimes just don't have a lot of time if you've got kids or a busy life and you may not have a lot of time to scout. Uh, naturally, I love to go out and scout in the mornings as many times as I can and just listen to where the turkeys are and without calling to them, I like to listen to where they're where they're roosted and then where they go from the roost. So if their general direction is east, I kind of know I need to be east of the roost. And I'll try to pinpoint where they're where they're liking to roost the most. Um, anything can happen. It may not happen every day that they're in the same exact trees, but generally the same ridge lines and stuff are good. Mm-hmm. But what Scott's asking is, if you don't have time to do that, what do you do? So, what we'll do in that instance is just get out um, in an area that you feel the turkeys are in the morning. Uh, if you if you have to approach it in an area that you're going to have to set up quick if they happen to be there you want to be in an area where uh, you can you can set up quick without having to cross an open area to get to them so I would get across your open areas in the dark and and kind of be ready just to listen and move towards the birds at first light uh, I always start off with a hoot owl call in the mornings a nice soft hoot owl like a locator type deal yeah and just try to get them to they'll shock gobble back at that. Um, usually answer it sometimes people call too early and then they think the, the turkeys aren't there but usually you'll hear all the other birds waking up in the morning especially the cardinals are the first thing that usually start mm-hmm. like when you start hearing the cardinals chirp it's not too much longer you'll start hearing turkeys gobble damn it's crazy you know that little like that fine detail of that i didn't i would never have known like the cardinals, cardinals are the first, first. ones up. that's weird dude. yeah yeah, you'll hear it's that. It's like serial I mean, killer weird knowledge to know. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, man. i got to say it. Serial well, killer just, knowledge. It's just one of the things after you've been out there a lot of times you'll notice that the the woods are dead quiet and the turkeys aren't gobbling. And then you start hearing the, the cardinals are always first. You hear cardinals start chirping and making their little sounds. And then you'll start hearing some other birds chime in. And then, then all of a sudden a coyote howls in the distance and you catch that gobble. Mm, so okay. Or coons fighting the listen for that they love to gobble it anything loud and shrill like that if you hear a coon goose fight flying. with another coon goose yeah goose flying uh, we'll use a duck call sometimes just to get them to gobble just anything loud i i love a coyote howl to get them to gobble but i don't do that if i'm anywhere close to them i only do oh, that when yeah. i'm scouting 
from a distance, like from a road. It's you weird that they howl. gobble to a coyote howl. Yeah, you would think they wouldn't. It's like, hey, guys, maybe not do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah we're like, over here. You yeah. want to eat us? <laughs> yeah. Do you think the shot gobble is like a shut the fuck up? I don't know why they do it. It's weird. Hey, it it's like off, man. It's almost yeah. like they're excited because yeah. at work, there's a lot of deer and turkey where I work, and I walk from like our main building out to another building where I've been working lately, and every morning there's been a big turkey. You can see just some skyline. Like, it's just getting daylight, and he's still in the tree, and he's out there just gobbling to every noise that goes off. And I'll walk <laughs> by and go, woo-hoo, and he's... <laughs> Just hammers back like immediately. <laughs> yeah, and I just think they just get so jacked up. Yeah, they, I think that's what it is. That's my. That's how I feel when they do it. I don't know, but yeah, that's how I'm gonna start out my hunt on Saturday. I'm gonna be like, it's Saturday. Do <laughs> 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 you remember that song? No. <laughs> oh, Luke, Chris. All right, never mind. <laughs> no, don't. Right, it's fun to throw yeah, that's out there. the shot gobbles. I mean, and, and if if it gets to the point uh, where you haven't heard them for any other reason, if the the owls haven't. And you've tried a few hen calls, and you're still not getting any. And then the crows start going, and you're still not hearing them. Chances are, they're not. Once the crows start going off, and there's no gobbles, and I kind of either feel like one, they're really tight-lipped, which is kind of to me the wrong bird to work. I'll move because uh, the tight-lipped bird. What, ca- is, what causes that? Just knowledge and age. I don't know. I think part of its dominance. Um, I, there's such a pecking order with turkeys that they pecking. just yeah the pecking order that's <laughs> but they they basically don't you're such a kid dude. <laughs> he is <laughs> matt's over here just like straight lace and you're over here laughing at the dumbest yeah, there's shit. A, there's a thir- what are you 14 yep 14 year old i'm the least mature in here <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's that's i think it's a dominance thing sometimes sometimes it's uh just older birds don't gobble as much and and sometimes i don't even know if there's an answer just some birds don't they're gobble just, yeah they're just different okay yeah. it's a personality trait at that i point, think so I guess. if turkeys have personalities i guess yeah um next question cody mead here's a question i have a ton of turkeys on the 80 acres i hunt i know where what? they roost i hunt just about 60 to 100 yards off of it I can never get them to decoy ever. I've tried calling with mouth, box, and slate calls just in case I was the that was the problem. Oh, hold on. Oh, what a brag about those eighty acres. Um, I think I can do a pretty good job at calling. I don't know though, but I can never get them to finish. Is my problem that there are too many turkeys there that they? don't need to compete or am i just an idiot <laughs> good overcall sorry my eyesight is uh not as great well it's dark in here and return well, to a bright screen i would say he's not an idiot um in not knowing how much he's calling it's kind of hard to answer that exactly but what i would do a hundred percent suggest on this would just be go out there for a few mornings and leave your calls at home <laughs> and just listen and, and learn what the birds want to do naturally. You'll find uh, that they have certain areas that they love to be. And with a turkey, the if you can be where they want to be, that's going to be far better than the best call. So you want to be a woodsman first and then a turkey caller second. Remember to use your call like a, a steering wheel. You're just going to steer them your direction rather than reverse their direction. Uh, right, that's a good. That's a, hold on. Write that down, Doug. <laughs> He's on it. Well, it, it's the truth that if a turkey wants to go east and you're on the west side of him, 
there's a very slim chance you're going to get him. Right. I mean, sometimes they'll be so excited that they will, but 90% of the time you're just sitting on the wrong side. The other thing, keep all the natural barriers out of the way. Um, creeks. Hung uh, up, if you will. Is that yeah, the Yeah, you don't want any creeks, brush lines, uh, fence lines, anything like that. You want – and be on the same ridge as them. That's one, one thing a lot of people are trying to call them across a ravine. Uh, not that it can't be done. We've done it a bunch of times. But the thing is, if I'm going for high odds, I want to be on the same ridge as they are. It's because it's easy for them to get right to you to see what yeah. you are? Or is that the, the yeah. point? And don't put any natural barriers. The other part is um, use the terrain to get to that position. Like if they're on one side of the hill or one side of the ridge and you can creep up the back side of a ravine to get to where they're at and then creep up just to where you can barely see the top of the ravine. Don't go walking up on top of the ravine because they'll see you somewhere. Mm-hmm. Just barely creep up the back side and get to where you can see the flat on the top of the ravine and and, and just, I'm usually crawling at that point. When don't I get push there. it is basically like. Yeah, don't push it. Just okay. get on the same ravine. If you know there's not another <clears throat> ravine between you, there's no creek between you, no major brush piles. I mean, just it'll make it 10 times easier. So kind of what I'm grabbing from, I mean, I've I've killed a fair amount of birds, um, a fair amount of birds with my bow. Um, and I never really broke down the thought of turkey, like kind of like as you're talking, I'm breaking it down in my head of like things I've done in the past, what I've messed up, what has worked. And it seems like the basically, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but the easiest approach or the best approach, I guess, if you will, to be successful on a spring bird is to not overthink the hunt. It's yeah. kind of basic. Get to where they are, but don't push it too far. White calling. And it's kind of position yourself where you need to be and then hold up and let them come to you let them finish it exactly yeah you you want them to you want them to build curiosity and come to you Uh, if they're moving away i'll get a little more aggressive with my calling Uh, that's when you start adding the cuts and so on but a lot of times some simple yelps and and clucks raking the leaves Uh, once we get birds moving our direction it, it basically goes to purrs and clucks and raking leaves simple quiet yeah just calls. just letting them know because the other thing is when you're loud calling turkeys are so good at pinpointing exactly where that call's coming from they're looking to that exact spot and if they don't see a turkey they're not going to come to it they're going to realize that something's kind of wrong so when you move yeah. in on these turkeys say you hear a turkey on a ridge and you get up to that ridge and like you set up just like where you can see the flat like you're saying mm-hmm do you have a decoy with you? Or are you gonna Are you gonna call and hope they just come most of the time? If if I'm running and gunning, I don't use a decoy a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, for bow hunting, we use decoys most of the time because to get them in, especially decap range like what we're trying to do, it it's a five to ten yard game for the most part. So you have to put them in that exact spot. But when we're when we're running and gunning um, with a shotgun, I don't use it a lot because I want to be mobile. Um, if I'm sitting in a field that I just – and that's more of a desperation tactic for me. If I'm sitting in a field and I'll put up a strutter or something mm-hmm. just so they can see it for a long ways. And, yeah. Um, that's that's when I will use a decoy with a shotgun, but most of the time I'm just – I'm moving. Like if the turkey's over the next ridge and I know he's over the next ridge, I'm moving. I'm not going to stay put. Right. Um, it's a constant move. And I'm not saying I'm going to just go running after him, but I'm going to – creep alongside of the 
the terrain. I'm going to use those steep drop-offs and everything and basically scale along the side of them. You're closing the distance yeah. and get into where... The yeah, closer you can sense. get, the better. If you can close your distance without spooking them, then all you got to do is move them just a little bit. Um, just get them. They may not come the whole way, so... <laughs> Bow hunting becomes a little harder just because you got to try to put them in one spot. I'll let you. Can you read that? That next one, <laughs> Clark. Is it easy being a badass? Asking for a friend <laughs> from Michael Ryan Heck, Big Mike. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to tell your friend Mike that it's not easy, but it. I had a good trainer. I met a guy in Iowa a few years ago. Big dude. <laughs> He could shotgun a beer in about a split second. Point two and, seconds. And deadlift about 780 pounds. So he could kill Steve with one snap. Yeah, right. <laughs> so once I met that sleep. guy, I just felt automatically like I was something special. Hey, Big Mike's the window. I'm Conor McGregor throwing a <laughs> dolly through it. <laughs> a dolly through it. <laughs> Justified, uh, too, by the way. That's one of the greatest guys in the world right yeah, there. Yeah, Big Mike is a legend. He is um, a legend. We need to do... <laughs> We've technically only done one podcast with them and couldn't air it. <laughs> so uh, thanks, Steve. Uh, Steve and Mike went at it. They will fight. It's going to be a charity boxing match. Oh yeah. Maybe at our shoot. Maybe, Maybe. at our shoot. Maybe. You got to get them giant boxing gloves. Oh, sock them, bob them. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. Big Mike would pop one and kill Steve with one punch. <laughs> like the whole thing. Oh, just... <laughs> uh, more to come for that. Um, Jake Christensen writes a long, long one. Are you ready for it, Clark? Yep. You can probably read it. I'm reading along. All right. I'll read it out loud for the listeners. We have 100 acres in DeWitt County, Central Illinois. This has roughly a 60-40 split of CRP and timber with 75 to 100 feet of elevation change from the highest ridge to the lowest bottom. Timber is spread out in clumps, fingers, and ridges. There are a ton of turkeys in the area, but they come and go. I'm not sure about turkey season, but during deer season, we are surrounded by properties that don't necessarily have good hunting smarts um <clears throat> some are fine so there's pressure in the area we currently have no food plots but we'll be planning several this spring what recommendations do you have to help us get an advantage on the surrounding properties not only for food plots but for this season that's a lot of question there or a lot of meat to that one okay I, i'm with you all right the crp if it's not crp trees and it's something you can burn and you can plan your burn a little bit late um like shortly before turkey season starts, like about now, uh, that the the turkeys will love those new green shoots when that grass comes to regreen. Uh, that's one thing. If I see CRP, because they they generally don't love uh, a lot of tall grass. Turkeys don't. They do for nesting, but the the toms they'd rather be in an open area where they can strut and feel secure. Kind of, they want to display. Uh, so you'll find the toms in more open areas than than a tall grass field. Like a CRP grass is usually too thick. Mm-hmm. But when you burn that CRP grass, then you've got a nice green open area shortly after that stuff is burnt. It'll start to regreen, and, and they love that stuff. Uh, probably almost better than a food plot, honestly. So good news um, for me. I, get, I need to get yeah, my ground by yeah, up. Absolutely. How, how quick do you need to get – wow. How quick do you need to get a ground blind up for turkeys? You can Excuse put a me. ground blind up the day you're hunting. If if you do it in the dark, pitch black, and can do it quietly, 
the they don't turkeys care. generally just don't care. We put them right in the middle. Matt just shot his turkey <laughs> last week during youth season, and literally we sat in the middle of a cornfield. Just don't care. They don't care about them. Why is that? It's I so, don't know. It's dumb. They're just basically not like deer. Yeah, just they come in. Don't don't <clears throat> point your opening towards the sun. We have made that mistake before, where you face the the east where the sun's coming up, and it mm-hmm. lights up the inside of your blind. That's a bad deal. So if basically, can, put the sun behind your blind, and then because yeah. it's going to dark, and then put your decoys on the yeah, it'd be on the south end. Exactly. If you can do that, and uh, I keep the decoys close to the blind. We when we're bow hunting, there's seven steps. Is what that's my general rule of thumb. I'd step off seven steps in the dark. No stick shit. My Jake, because that's I put the Jake right in the middle because that's where they're coming. Ninety percent of the time, they're going to come to the Jake to beat them up or what? Yeah, they just they'll they'll move right past the hens. The standing hens are good for attention. And they'll move right past that. I put a Jake that's over a bedded hen, like he's going to breed her, and that's oh. that's where they come. Oh, dude, they don't like that, man. They're like, man, that, that weaker male is going to mate with that pretty female. I can't it's like have every that. dude that's beat up Steve. Yeah. Every single one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, except, except this Jake is successful, bro. Holler at your boy. Yeah. Your young boy. <laughs> your young boy. So. Holler at your Jake, buddy. <laughs> Uh, write that down, Duck. Holler at you, Jake. We're going to need that one later. Yeah, that'll be a t-shirt later. Oh, my God. <laughs> no one will get it. And, dude, it'll be like just like a little short beard under it. No one will get it but the three people that listen to this podcast. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and they're the only ones that are going to order it. So See, okay, go. that's but. another thing that it seems so obvious and like, oh, shit. You're, oh, man, yeah, I should have done that. But I wouldn't have realized I did it until I, I set up and was like, oh, I fucked it up. Is set your blind up away from the sun because you're going to create that shadow effect or like how I always think this at a tree stand in the afternoon if a deer is going to come in and the sun's going to be behind me yep. if that deer looks up the sun's going to be in his face yeah it's kind of the same concept but it's a shadowing effect with the ground blinds you just yeah, keep exactly. a headlamp on the whole time dude <laughs> yeah good call Shit, get them yeah. super bright ones because that's not illegal <laughs> you're shining them yeah okay. it like six in the morning what are you doing now dude? sometimes you'll see them ground blinds that almost are shiny like mm-hmm. the cheaper ones that, yeah uh, those if i had i would cut a little green branch or two and put on top to at least kind of break up that because they some some yeah. blinds are a little glossy we hunt mostly like double bowls and stuff that have pretty good material on them because i'm not real reflective yeah yeah okay. that's but i have seen before and people may use some some cheaper blinds which is okay they'll work fine um if i'm using a cheaper blind i'm going to try to keep it in the shadows or i'm going to brush it in a little bit because um, you're embarrassed and it doesn't take a lot yeah it. well that's it I'm, I'm a little embarrassed of that blind <laughs> what do you think of uh those new primos blinds dude i was just those thinking things that. are pretty awesome those i, I cool. want to get one pretty bad yeah. did you sit in one at ata no, I but I seen one since and oh. it's it's pretty sick. Dude, those things are yeah. legit. Yeah, I, I would love to have one of those. I'm gonna get one at some point, but I don't even know if they're shipping those yet. I've heard the ones that are the three sixty view, you they don't they're not shipping still. Oh really? I don't know. Maybe they are by some. now, but then the other ones, the like the one eighty view, they are shipping those. I've delivered yeah. a lot of those on my job. So. Hey, we're dipping <laughs> out of Matt's college fund. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, neither does he. He don't want yeah, to go. He don't care. He's not going. He either. doesn't want to go to college. He wants to go hunt. <laughs> hey, Blue, uh, nothing wrong with a. But one thing back to Jay Christensen's question about the CRP and so on. Another plot that, um, if you wanted a quick plot for the for just spring, if you planted uh, oats and even a little rape, mm-hmm. they, they like that really well. Uh, and then you can't go wrong with the clover any clover-based stuff or alfalfa. I like clover because it's a little lower. 
I planted a clover rape mix, um, just in just in small thin strips where it was freshly burnt. Yeah, um, just to get something in the ground. Yeah, that's kind of good. poor man plot style. Just do it real quick. Hey, yeah. let me let me pick your brain real real quick because that like if you go to Tyson's over in Davenport, I, I guess you wouldn't have any reason to, but they have like the. It looks like Thesons for everyone that lives in Iowa. Yeah, Thesons. <laughs> Thesons for those of you who only hear it on the radio. But like last year, they had um, it was like you know, like whenever you go to like get like candy or whatever, they had like the you know the push down, and they had like every single mix. I can't remember what brand it was, but it was in the hunting section, so I think it was like um, I don't know if it had been Wild Game or whatever. Whoever makes that, but they had like. 15 or Come 16 again? of seeds like little things of seeds and you could like you know push down and get like how much you wanted yeah you know what i mean have you ever and you i know a lot of people that we've talked to said they always go to like seed distributors yeah but would you ever go to like a seed distributor and say you get your clover and whatever and then you're like you want to throw a little bit of something extra in there yeah. would you would you buy into any of those gimmicks or do you even know no, what i'm I, talking about yeah i i haven't seen exactly what you're talking about I'm, I'm catching what you're talking about and it uh i think that's great if you could do that and, and build some of your own mixes because there's certain times that uh, you might be planting a little drier area that that you're not sure how well it's going to do so you might want to add some chicory that's mm-hmm. gonna gonna add a, a little more drought tolerance so sure um, some people may want to mix in some stuff or it may be some guys say, well, I don't want any red clover in my mix because I want all a dino. The next guy might want some red. I like to have a mix. Anytime you can give them a buffet-style food plot, I think, is is a plus. Gotcha. So then you so. probably just don't have to buy in bulk. I didn't know if you bought into that whole idea that, yeah, you go to a uh, store where you can go buy pliers and tires, and then you can get your food mix. Yeah. I'm not saying I, I don't know I don't have I don't experience think it's a with bad this. deal yeah I, I mean I've never had any of that but I've heard there's a place I know in Peoria that is called Kelly Seed that you can go buy bulk seed there uh, and they've got a little bit hmm. of everything I've never I've heard personally of that. never been there but I, I'm going to go there because we should take a road trip together yeah I'd like to see what stuff. they have just just to, it would be I've always wanted to go there I just haven't done it yet but interesting I didn't I had no idea that's less than that well it's about an hour for me and half hour from you pretty much isn't it a little yeah more yeah it's it's just over a half hour so it would be an easy run um, a lot of mixes you'll find have first of all they coat their seeds which there is some benefit to the seed coating uh, some of it they'll encapsulate it with lime uh, and the other thing it kind of preserves the seed longer yeah. for shelf life but at the same time you're not buying the most fresh seed and uh you're buying a lot of coating instead of seed so uh you can go to these bulk seed stores and get pure seed for a lot cheaper and get it stretch your buck so so my <laughs> stretch your buck I there see you go you stretch your buck <laughs> so yeah my hipster deer will not like the uh, coating on there they want the freshest seed that's i'm right. just gonna plant you know what i'm gonna do for my hipster deer i'm gonna plant avocados there you go. Yeah, that's and then just throw toast out there for him. <laughs> I'm, pretty sure, oh, that's I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a tree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think, I'm I pretty sure you're wrong. I know I exactly know. what I'm talking about. It's a root, actually. Just so you yeah, know, it is. Yeah, avocados <laughs> come. Why don't you call your dear Pager when uh, he'll teach you a little bit yeah. about avocados? Hey, do you want to know where avocados come from? Uh, they come from the store. <laughs> Very nice. I've never seen an avocado tree. Um, there's a lot of these that are. I don't know if you can read these, Clark. There's a lot of these we've kind of already covered for sake of time here. Um, 
Bradley Nelson. He he hunts next to me, so he wants to know can I uh, drive across the street and do some mowing? Yeah, if you can. I will. What I'm going to do is I'll come in. I'm north of him, so I'm going to come in from his south side about November (laughs) sixth, and I'll mow all of it, all the way to the dirt. (laughs) That's right, dude. Make sure you make sure you take a hacksaw and cut your muffler about halfway down. Make it real nice and loud. Yeah, I'll make sure I don't fix that drip on my diesel tank. Uh, he's a good guy, though. Um, we already talked about planning some stuff here, Did guys. Kevin Die, thank you for submitting. Richard Rapley, thank you. I think we covered a lot of that. Kevin Die, did we do? We didn't do that one. Oh, planning. What? What do I recommend that will? Really oh, October be till good? December. October till December. Um, I like a mix. I like a cereal grain based mix, like triticale. Um, I love triticale. That's a it's a wheat rye hybrid if if you don't know what it is and it looks about like oats when they're growing uh, it's fairly frost tolerant it it's a good good thing i like to mix that with uh winter peas i also put in a little high sugar oats high glucose oats. Hi, there we go yeah. <laughs> <Glucose>. <laughs> or, uh, altitude uh, glucose oats yeah and you can get the the high sugar oats the quickest way i can tell you is get imperial forage oats plus they're a high sugar oat and they're very good um i haven't had a lot of a lot of luck with buck forage oats personally people talk about them um, i don't necessarily love those myself um, but that that stuff that's going to stay green i like them for more of a rut style mix i, I early season through rut um, you can also put down, I like a little medium red clover in with that because it'll come up a little bit in, uh, when you plant it, but it'll be there the next spring, so your food plot will still be producing something the next spring. And then you can just plow it in the next year when you're ready to plant again. Um, Interesting. Okay. That's something I want to talk more in detail on in another episode is like yeah. a, a fall into what will last into the later season yeah or if there is an option to make something last until like shed season to keep deer coming back i imagine yeah. it's just more like grains like yeah i plant something around that 25th of august to september 1st and it's going to be cereal grains um i might dust them just real light with over the top with some brassica mm. um, i don't want it to be overtaken by brassica but like where you'll get that plant about every foot so I think that's a, a nice mix okay. for that time of year. Probably just plant acorn plants. There you go. That keeps deer coming back for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Acorns <laughs> growing. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Um, Do people about, think I'm serious, by the way? Um, probably. Yeah. I've probably set myself up to people think I am. Yeah. Mm. You put off a dumb vibe. Um, <laughs> talk about timing of planting and platability of plants as time goes on and which types of plants are better suited for fall planting versus spring planting sort of touched on that yeah i mean that's the clovers are going to be the first thing to green up clover and alfalfa that's going to be ahead of your soybeans that's going to be probably the first thing they hit unless you have winter wheat fields they'll be hitting those carried in from from last winter they'll be hitting the wheat fields and they'll move into the alfalfa clover um, all the new leaves just with uh, all the spring growth there's there's a lot of food in the spring um all that stuff's going to be the most palatable until the soybeans hit a point, and then they're going to shift to the soybeans. Usually late June, early July, they'll they'll start the soybeans pretty heavy. They'll stay in those all the way until they start to turn yellow. Then they're going to start shifting to acorns. 
90% of the time about the first part of September when the acorns are dropping and you're starting to see your corn fields and bean fields start to turn yellow. The the deer seem to move more to the timber. The acorns are number one for about a month. Then you'll start seeing them again more on your green sources. That's where the cereal grains that we talked about, oats, mm. wheat, rye, okay. um, some of that stuff, your winter peas. So that's the best even late planted. Fall. Yeah, oh. and then so then after that it goes back into you'll see them even using still the ladino clover plots some hit and miss and then it's going to move um, by late november you start getting those frosty mornings it can be soybeans it could be cut corn i think is probably number one through late november um, mid-november to late november is probably cut corn um, then you're going to shift into your soybeans as it you start getting the bad weather you start seeing some snow it's going to go to soy soybeans and i think after that um that January stuff, you start getting them skiffs of pretty heavy snow. You're going to start to find them digging back through your brassica plots. Interesting. Along with your soybeans. And you've had that memorized the cycle mm-hmm. of a whitetail's yeah. Yeah, cravings. No, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, and I, I've never known why this is. You always know that deer do love acorns, especially, you know, like you said, around, well, maybe that October, early October-ish, um, when they start falling. But why is that? I, I've never known why they like acorn so much. I think I, it's like candy to them, and I think it's a, a one-time-a-year thing that they just that – I've found I used to never really put a lot of merit into acorns. I knew they ate acorns. I don't. I, it, I honestly don't. But It's it's crazy. If you lose your deer in September, I promise they're on an Oak Ridge. Really? It's the like Oak Ridge when boys. you start – yeah, the Oak Ridge boys. Yeah, that's, <laughs> oh. that's where the bucks are, Oak Ridge boys. <laughs> But no, it's it's. I've that's seen a good it way my, to remember it, though. Actually, you joke yeah. around, but that's a uh, yeah. Maybe. So you think it's like funnel cake at a state fair? Like you're not going to eat funnel cake all the time, but when you're at a state fair, thank you for being here, Steve. When you go to a state fair, you go straight for the funnel cake. Am I not wrong? That is the best analogy I've ever heard. Whoa, <laughs> easy, Clark. <laughs> easy. I went a little far. Well, on that. Don't give him too no, much credit a, now, man. He is, no, he is call him an idiot really first, is. and then say <laughs> he is an idiot. But that was a good analogy. No. <laughs> but no, it's seriously. Uh, you kind of need it, but there's something to it. It's kind of similar to that. I think they they really look forward to that and a bad acorn year it's going to be short-lived but a great acorn drop they're going to be in there for a while like last year was a really good acorn drop wasn't it was it? and you'll notice to me i think people cry about tough hunting more on acorn years because our new mindset is to hunt food plots and so on and you're going to notice that you'll watch when the acorns start dropping your food plots will maybe not dry up but you're going to lose a lot of your deer. You're going to wonder, well, what happened? Yeah, I haven't seen mm-hmm. him for two or three weeks. Well, it's because he's on the acorns. Interesting. Um, Jeffrey's on the acorns again. Yeah, and and that also kind of coincides with cut corn, too. Uh, that's the next thing. That first cut corn, you can't hardly beat it. I mean, if you go out and drive by a field right before dark with cut corn, that's the first cut corn around, you're going to have quite a few deer in it most of the time. That day that they cut the corn right across the field for me, dude, there was like 50 deer in there. I'm like, I don't even think there was that many deer around here, but <laughs> they were acting really weird, dude. They were all just huddled around. There was one deer running back and forth. And yeah. It was just like... Well, think about you. It's all there, and then then it's not. Yeah. That's kind of shocking. Yeah, I bit. think it is a, a, a curiosity, and it's a shock. And then if you just drive by, you smell that in the fall, that oh, fresh yeah. cut corn. So, you know, deer are the white people of animals. They're like, oh, my God, where's all this stuff at? Walk out in the middle, and then what if we get abducted by aliens? <laughs> okay. We got uh, one good question here. Um, 
Steve Stoff, favorite broadheads for killing turkeys, favorite decoy setup for early spring. Okay. Well, um, my favorite decoy setup I'll start with is I like the DSD uh, spread. There's there's several good brands, Avian X. Uh, we could go on and on, but basically the setup I like has a Jake, a bedded hen. That's the two most important ones to me. I like the Jake and the bedded hen. It's like the, the under... The under average guy getting getting ready to get laid. Oh yeah, yeah dude, he, nobody wants to see that. It's, it's the yeah. Steve on a ten chick. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, a bar. Dude, that's Steve hitting on the hot <laughs> the hot uh, Swedish chick. Oh hello. Yeah. I don't know what keeps cutting mics <laughs> out. Something does. Somebody's yeah. moving somewhere. So that's so probably, that's man. Steve hitting on the hot Swedish chick at the bar, dude. So Everybody's that, it's, on. It's basically, me. imagine Steve hitting on your ten of a girlfriend at there a bar. We go. Yeah, actually getting ready to breed your girlfriend. Because you put it right over top of the head. <laughs> it, it makes it look like it's about to happen. So it, it's oh, getting man, ready to breed. Take. All right, so uh, that's getting everybody so, fired up in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> so Dennis is at the bar getting all Dennis. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've been through this exact scenario. Yeah. Dude, you're like, like 80, bro. Yeah. First thing you want to do is just write this down, everybody. Fuck Dennis. <laughs> yeah. so Dennis is the Jake, if you will. Follow me here. Follow me so here. Dennis was the Jake. We'll just name our Jake Dennis. So you're going to have Dennis standing over the young girl. And on the outskirts are two are two older women, yeah, that are causing some bunch of drama, yeah, and, and they're just basically getting attention. So I put them in a triangular pattern. Say the point of the triangle is about seven yards from my setup, uh, and then out about fifteen yards. I don't ever get too far out of bow range, and I'm usually trying to decap them. So we're we're wanting them sub twenty. Okay, so that's at about eighteen yards. I'll I'll put one to the the left about as far left as i can shoot and that'll be a standing hen of some kind might maybe a feeder hen and then the other one is my sentry hen and i'll put on the other side um at the other corner of that triangle and that's my basic setup four decoys the jake standing over the hen and then the other two hens are out a little further those are just to grab attention just to add a little more depth to your spread do you put an eyeball in the middle of that triangle Hmm. He's up. The all-seeing eye. Up. Yeah, <laughs> I am the eyeball in the triangle. Oh, oh, oh damn! Yeah. Dab just yeah. served it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's no, a good. So we yeah. got uh, okay. So that makes sense. I, I like. I've never. I kind of. I've set up decoys before, but not with like that deep of a strategy. Yeah, and that's, and it's basically your your outside hens are just uh, attention grabbers. But you want to keep them where you can still shoot them. That's the end of your shooting range because. Once in a while, I would say very rare, but once in a while, they will stop at those hens. Really? So they're like, ah, Steve's got this. No big deal. I'll just yeah. take what I can get. Steve's got that in the bag. I'm going to go for the old, the old <laughs> yeah. hen. So and if you're patient, you'll let them. They'll sometimes strut around those hens and brush around them. Those are going to be your generally your less dominant birds. Okay. Uh, you might have like a two-year-old Too scared come to come in. into the Jake. Yeah, he's like a little timid to come in and beat up the Jake, but he'll brush those outside hens a little bit, strut around them. He'll eventually, a lot of times, if you're just patient, he'll come in. Oh. So but. does a Jake, a Jake, you can tell a Jake because usually it's middle tail feathers are longer than the rest. Yep. How long does it take for the Jake not to be a Jake? It's a year. So his, the rest of his yeah. feathers grow up to the middle length? Yep. Just that quick one year and he's... Yeah, by the second year, second spring, he'll be a Tom. Gotcha. So okay. he's just a so, Jake his first year. On your, uh, on your decoys... Uh, uh, Philip had uh, P. 
PV, Phil Vanderpool, was telling uh, these guys, and uh, I'll let you know Doug explain it. But he said like on like good high end decoys, like you get like the glossy eye. If, it, if like yeah. they got a reflection in there, do those have the DSDs have like a yeah. glossy eye? Is that like do you know? Is that true? You know, if you I got think, a if yeah. you got a glossier eye. I think so. I always color in my eyes and make sure that they're nice and shiny. I just think that it just adds realism to the decoy. Mm. And something you'll see them come in a lot of times in face to face with that thing, and they're looking in the eyes. It's almost like a some thing that turkeys do, it's some dominance ball. Thing. Pretty much, yeah. They come in, they'll they'll stare them down, and and pretty soon they'll start pecking the head, and then they'll kick the crap out of it. And damn, uh, turkeys are cool, man. They're, it's, they're it's fun to watch. They're fascinating them. animals and. Uh, the, the only other thing I'll usually add to my decoy spread is if I've hunted for a, a couple days, that's, let me back up, that spread I just, the four decoy thing, that's my 90% of the time. Uh, the other 10% of the time I'm going to use uh, a strutter decoy, and that's when I feel like there's some dominant birds around. It also could be when you've you've been seeing, like, two big, huge, fat butterball toms, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, way out in the field, 200 yards out, and you're trying to pull them to a certain area. Um, I don't know what is, is causing that cut, guys. Sorry. Yeah. Something's going on. It's probably me. Somehow. We're hitting something somewhere. But, yeah, that's uh, that's what I – that's when I'll use a strutter is if I feel like there's some dominant birds around or if I've got to catch them – catch their attention from a long ways. Ooh. Ooh. I don't That's know what one. that is. It must be me hitting my mic stand. I don't know. Dude, I don't know. We talked about the all-seeing eye, and all of a sudden yeah. this stuff's starting to happen. Guys, <laughs> yeah. I think we need to That's right. get out of here. All of a sudden, man, <laughs> <laughs> that light's going to pick us up. And, and we're going to wrap it up. Hours. We started dropping conspiracy theories here. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it was good. Dun, 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 dun. Our podcast is getting attacked. <laughs> we lost um, our Facebook people. I exited out. Oh, okay. we, we, we ran through. Was that all of them? Yeah. One thing I do want to ask you about quick is I saw this on Facebook. Someone... Asked me about possibly what my opinion was on this whole mineral being legal in Illinois thing. Mm-hmm. Are you for or against that or indifferent? I personally am for it. Yeah. I, I think it should be legal. I would agree with you. Um, the reason I know they say that the saliva transfers the uh, the diseases and so on, but what I, I spent a lot of time with Grant Woods one day on a property tour actually it was more than one day and to me grant woods is one of the premier deer biologists in the world mm-hmm. uh, and he explained to me about the trace minerals and the importance of the trace minerals and the benefits that they get far outweigh the risks of the disease he said a lot of that stuff has not been proven to transfer they're just it's a theory that it could be possibly being transferred that way. And that's what I always hear also. Yeah, so that's what he, he kind of, if I'm saying it right, I hate to quote him, but that's kind yeah. of what I gathered from what he told me. And he said, but I, I promise, he said that the, in his opinion, the uh, trace minerals that you were getting from a good mineral far outweighed. He said it makes a healthier deer herd, which allows them to fight off diseases better in right. the long run so then without it that's uh, right dude and there's your, a lot of guys that are either sorry steve there's no, a lot of guys good. that are either like really for the mineral and there's a lot of guys that are like disease it's gonna spread disease or yeah. i'm against it it's it, it's very rare there's an in-between i'm for it like model it after iowa iowa's got together yeah I just you can't put out fresh mineral sites in october well the other 
part of that is if they're not going to do a better job of keeping it off the store shelves, it's not doing any good anyway. <laughs> yeah, because right. look yeah. at how many no of those shit. things get sold. I mean, every store has one of them giant trophy rock. Dude, I crazy. always oh, see those. It's always things. empty at the Dude, end of the year. You have so. the yeah. options of yeah. what to put They're out. They're always There's... gone too. Yeah, you go in October and you see like they're being bought. Like that's illegal. That's illegal. But yeah. again, people who are passing through may be able to buy them. Still, come on now. Yeah, yeah but I just, I personally, I think it would be great if they do. I, um, I agree. Besides, I, agree I used to do it. I'm not that old, but I'm old enough that we used to be awesome. able to uh, do that, and. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I liked getting my trail cam pictures over it. It was it was fun to go put it out. It just kind of added one more thing to the deer season. I hated when they took it away. It just kind of bummed me out. So I would well, love to see it come back. When did they take that away, by the way? It's been probably seven, eight years ago, I would guess. Okay. Somewhere in there. I mean, wow. maybe ten years ago. I don't know. Maybe times flew by, by oh, faster wow. than me. <laughs> wow. It was right about the time of the uh, CWD outbreak is when oh, that first started. Oh, here's the conspiracy now. Well, yeah. we'll talk about that in another episode. We go down yeah. that rabbit hole. Well, time I will see, tell. We'll one, see what happens. Make one sure other thing I seen, I forgot to answer a question. Oh, uh, did you? What's yeah, there was one about broadheads. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. shit. Sorry. That's I right. thought we were. It, it was that same one that we were. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was the same one. Oh, it? Okay. Favorite broadheads were killing turkeys. Sorry, I accidentally think that we covered it. No, that's all right. I just thought of that. And This is from. Where, where is that question? Uh, Steve Strauss. Steve Stauff. Oh, okay. Great yeah. first name. Yep, that's that right. Because we started answering that with the decoys, yeah. never finished okay. up with the broadheads. But, Sorry, I thought we already um, covered that. I like, for for turkeys, if I'm body shooting, I'm going to go with an expandable, something with a big cut. And we're raptor going raptor tricks. trick this raptor weekend. Raptor trick all day for me. I mean, if I'm going, that's what I'm personally carrying. <laughs> Did you see that hole that... that bird that Kurt shot. You shot that bird at like, what, 35 yards with that raptor trick? 30 yards. Dude, he ran three and a half yards. (laughs) Those things are devastating. I love them. They fly like a dart, too. You want to talk about some blood? Oh, yeah. That's the way my deer were. They were, it was impressive. Yeah. Uh, You can see that tonight on Respect the Game Sportsman's channel. So, that's what I'm using if I'm... I do not know what that is. I think it's Steve. It's gotta be. (laughs) Is it, you think? No, I don't know. I just seen him move, but I just made that up, so... But yeah, so Matt, quit moving over there. I don't know if it's you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not but you. I would definitely go with an expandable because when you're shooting at a body of a turkey, it's such a small area and it's really hard to define. It all depends on. I've heard some guys talk about the position of the neck depends on where you aim. It's not necessarily pick a certain feather. It depends on where the deer's neck is or where the turkey's neck is. Well, actually, if you watch that, because it, the way the turkey can tip and move, it actually makes it look different every time of mm-hmm. how it's positioned. So you really got to know your turkey anatomy to hit one in the body and kill it, because a lot of guys shoot through the breast, shoot through the, the back end, or, or too low. And uh, so that that's an issue. That's why we've been switching more to the decap broadhead. Because it's uh, pretty obvious where to shoot it. Yeah, I mean, it's you're shooting basically anything from the waddles up to the top of the head with that decap broadhead. And it's the thing I love about it is if you're off three or four inches, you just miss. Right. You, I mean, it's if you're off three or four inches with a body shot, it's a wounded bird. Right. Yeah, yeah uh, that's true. If you now, granted, your your range is going to shrink down a little bit with the decap broadheads, uh, but. We've had. I don't know that we've ever lost a, a turkey that we've hit. 
knock on yeah. wood with I wouldn't with see I wouldn't see that you would though yeah, really. even I Matt know. I mean Matt shot one last weekend and uh he hit it in the neck but he, he hit it with just one blade and it it didn't seem like it was a, an extremely lethal shot it didn't like knock him flat I mean you could see he was he was hurt and he ran about like a deer would run if you shot it through the vitals right I mean you knew he was hurting but we didn't know to what extent like Ew, I don't know but we followed it and it was like a red carpet Oh really? Yeah, yeah, it was. Hit the juggler. Yeah, did. I mean, it was just. Oh, Larry McCoy was, did that too. It was done. Yeah, yeah, Larry. Yeah, he clipped the neck of that thing and did that. Tur- well, that turkey went down pretty quick. Yeah, and that's the the great thing about the decap style broadhead. It's not just for watching its head fly off and how cool is that. It's it's just such a quick kill. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's I mean, ethical. And, and it's, it's a hit or miss. I mean, that's the the best part I love about it is I've missed plenty of them with a decap broadhead, but I honestly don't think I've wounded one. With yeah, a, yeah, with a decap. I mean, That's as ethical think about, Yeah, think about this. You're either going to eat your turkey where the head was cut off with a meat cleaver or it's going to be hit, cut off with a decap. So yeah. which one do you want? Yeah, so that's yeah. solid decaps. Those are my favorite. I've shot several of the big decapitation-style broadheads. Um, the reason I like the solids better is they, they last. A lot of them are one-shot deals. Like I won't name any brand names because... It, they're all good. They work good. I've used two or three different kinds. But the solid decap, we've shot through turkeys. We've missed turkeys. 90% of the time, you go pick that thing up and reuse it. Really? And if it's not, if if anything goes wrong with them, it generally is just the screw broke. So you replace the screw and put a blade on it, and you're good to go again. That It's such a tough broadhead i've never seen a decap style broadhead that's as tough so they're worth the extra money pretty solid i gotta try them it? but i'm uh, i'm throwing rapid tricks at turkeys this weekend oh dude i don't think you can go wrong expandables with honestly yeah. those are those are awesome uh for sure for that's, sure that's what i always did before we went to decap but cool it's fun well thanks for spitting your knowledge no problem it was fun thanks for having me appreciate again. that welcome back anytime yeah. matt thanks for coming along yep. i muted you on accident <laughs> i thought it might have been the, i thought it was your shit mike you're on no offense <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but uh no this was good i think we covered a lot you got anything to add steve you being no just required no dude i just uh the amount of knowledge we got i got to say my stupid shit and then you got to hear some really good stuff <laughs> it's so fun <laughs> dude, it, it, this is all part of it man i i really enjoy doing this with you guys and uh dude check out because i when i get home i'm gonna watch your episode uh respect the game featuring clark cummings Sportsman's Channel. Are you? You're not on that episode, are you? <laughs> well, yeah. Doug, you got anything to add? Uh, Kansas, here we come. That's right. Man, now I come. have to miss it. Going to kill in Kansas. Lots of us. I have to miss it to better my life. Matt, hopefully. you got anything you want to add? Not really. No. You Find just like up. to hang out. Mm-hmm. It's all Good. my Fortnite. <laughs> How's it feel to hang out with the boys? I don't. <laughs> is this is, is this a better crew than like uh, Ross and Austin? I don't really know. <laughs> He's playing general. He's like, eh, <laughs> maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Yeah, or I'll steal those glasses off your face and make you feel around for the door. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you, like, talking shit to him? Yeah. What's he going to do? Because what's he going to do? He's killed what's more he trees gonna than do? you ever probably will in your Look, life. Look, dude, I'm, I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm picking on the Jake. Is the big time going to come? Let's get him, Clark. Get him. <laughs> You're a Jake, son. I'm just because the carp yeah. photo I commented on. Oh, shut up. I don't want to hear anything about that. What do you have social media? You're not 18. You have to be 18 to have stuff like that, don't you? Yeah. 
I changed my age. <laughs> yeah, the, the kid admits. Loophole, bro. <laughs> I know. We all did. I when I was his age, I needed a MySpace too. All right, thank God. <laughs> All right, thanks everyone for submitting questions via social, the internet. Um, you guys are awesome. If you enjoyed this podcast and you made it through the whole thing, go to mm-hmm. iTunes or wherever you listen and give a rating. Clark, thank you for coming in again. Thanks for having me. I'm waiting one time for you to be like, no, I'm not going to do an episode no, again. Done. Yeah, hell no. I'm done. One and had done. It with you guys. I had it. I'm where, done. Where can people find you? People can find me on, oh, that's a good question. I can, Clark Cummings on Facebook or, huh? I think it's Clark underscore Cummings on Instagram. We'll tag you. Yeah, tag me because I'm not 100% <laughs> sure what I made it up as. <laughs> Check it out workingclassboner.com <laughs> to find Clark on social media. Yeah, I like that. There we go. All right, guys, we love you. Go shoot your bow. Kill a turkey or two. Oh, that's awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.